Maury had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. Straight-faced said, who says you need a Navy? And as soon as he said that, it was just like a switch went off in my head. It was just like, oh, right, yeah, who says you need a Navy? Okay, guys, welcome back to the Graham Eric Show. We are going to be chatting with Brian Sovereign a little bit later uh, from Sovereign Tech. We're going to be talking about some Bitcoins and tech stuff and anarchy and all sorts of fun stuff like that. It's a pretty fun app. You guys should enjoy it. Um, but first, as always, the one and only Graham D and D Sex Wizard Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? I was always a fighter. For real? Yeah. But now you say you're a lover, not a fighter. Well, I know. I, I was just thinking I might change my character if I ever do that again to a magic user. To a magic user? Yeah. Not a predator. I'm more Sex into bread? the cult and stuff. No. That should be like a succubus. No, that's not. No, that's that what you would fight. Probably you fight. Yeah, well, I would fight against the succubus. So who plays the succubus? It's just it's imaginary. A, it's, yeah, it's up to the dungeon master. Who's the dungeon master? <laughs> that depends. <laughs> On what? <laughs> On who you're playing with. Do you need cards or anything? We used to have a guy that was always a dungeon master. He was, always, and he'd throw dice at, at his younger brother, hit him in the head, and stuff. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So you need dice? That's yeah, it? It's a role-playing game. What do you mean? You don't know how to play it? No. I got tricked into almost playing it one time at my buddy Trevi's house. They're like, yeah, we and play Dungeons like, and Dragons. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. This sounds great. I think I thought it was a video game. Yeah, and then you sit down and, and you get a piece down, of paper like, and your dice and like, your pen. Like, and... Buddy's like, I'm a wizard. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> And that's the most exposure I've had, other than the magic dice that we have. Yeah, I do have, I have the dice somewhere. Somebody left dice here. Daven. Hey, Daven. I don't know where it went. Yeah, anyways. I'd like to do it again. Try it again. Well, you could do virtual D&D with the guys in the chats. No, no, no. I'm pretty I mean, sure they're playing virtual Dungeons and Dragons this Friday. Actually, when this app comes out. So that's what you could be doing Friday night. <laughs> you, could, you could do it. Can you play it? Could you play it? Digitally? Well, what do you mean? Could you play it? Like in VR? Like vir- no, just like this. Like in Podcast, a chat? And so, no, no, you kind of got to be around people. Do you? Yeah. You can't just be cool. like... You'd miss the interaction of, you know... Well, you, I watching think, somebody roll the dice and it's all Zoom, your team, right? I you're fighting you against Zoom, monsters and stuff like that. You're fighting against... <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you roll, you roll dice for how hard you hit them and you know, and you get killed and sometimes. Then you're out. Yeah, well, yeah. And you gotta watch the rest of your team. 
So why would you ever let yourself get killed? Or that's up to the dungeon master. Yeah, it's all the roll the dice. It's all about the he dice. He rolls thing. for the monsters, right? And, or the dragon or whatever. Huh. I never used to get killed though, but like some guys get killed all the time. Like our the little brothers were. Doesn't like them. <laughs> no, it's in the roll of the dice. It's all about the dice. Yeah. So how does it go then? Really? Okay. So, <laughs> so we have a character with a certain amount of stamina, right, and hit points they call them, and you'd have different attributes and how hard you hit, and, you and it's all in a calculation. Up, you roll. You roll for it at the beginning. You okay. Roll your character out. Okay. Different than the chat we just had tonight with this guy that's yeah, coming yeah, out yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, Avatarism. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> you roll it all out. So you have different abilities. You choose, like, do I want strength or wisdom or dexterity? Okay. And your character has all these attributes, and then you it's a calculation, like you're fighting against some monsters. So when I when I swing at him or fight him, I either hit him, and then if I hit him, I roll how much damage it does. Just like if I get hit. <laughs> From a monster. So if you, I could get killed so you, in once. If the roll was like a hundred or whatever, I might get killed in the one, one hit. Ooh, tough one. Yeah. So you could totally do that over the internet. It wouldn't be the same. Try it out. Maybe it's better. Well, I'll try it with those guys for sure oh. in the chats. The chats. So that's your, your, new, that's your slash chat chats. jingle. Yeah. Anyways, it's been like 35 years. That's what I remember about it. It's been that long since yeah. you played. But my friend Rye plays it with his, another friend. The guys I did the escape room with, so I want to go play with them one day. Dungeons and Dragons is back, bitches. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. We got to do I'm the Grand America escape room. Yeah, I'm, I'll do the escape room. I'm down with the escape room. I've, I've seen two now since we started talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're creeping up all over the place. Fuck, yeah. So, yeah, man. So, uh, what do you want to talk about? Okay. No, no, no. There we go. No, I'm just... I going to talk about my weekend. <laughs> I couldn't believe all the stuff that we've seen. We went out through the air mattress in the back of the truck. Drove yeah, but by stuff Pritis. is not like stuff. What's stuff? Mostly satellites, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing how many. Hmm. You should look into that. Should I? I don't think you can see that many. There's some people that are. Because the flat and nothing leaves low Earth orbit? No, no, no. Just that they're not all in the. You know, getting light shine off, shine off them, right? They don't have lights up there, so it's all sunlight, right? You yeah, should only see pretty them far from... north, though. Hmm. There's something to look into, I suppose. Yeah. Something you really have to visualize. But if I can see the moon. Hmm. So you should, next time you do it, plan to go around a new moon because the sky is much darker without that moonlight. Uh, I bet you could probably see the Milky Way a lot better. Oh, that's, too. yeah, it's really amazing. <clears throat> Yeah, we went, it was like a half moon. We threw the air mattress in the back of the truck, went out there, blew it up. Fucking had all the blankets, slide there, and just watched the sky for a while. Yeah, nice. Soon as we got there, right away, we seen a satellite, like, disappearing onto the horizon. So we seen, oh, look, a satellite. Kids are yeah. watching it and everything, yeah. and then it just, like, poof, disappeared. And everything. holy yeah. fuck. And the, yeah. And I explained to him it was a satellite. Yeah. And we lie down, seen time. But you don't know if it was happening. We're just pointing them out like crazy. Ding, ding, yeah. pew, 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 pew. Shooting stars? Yeah, we've seen two or three shooting stars, yeah. 
Did you meditate at all on it, or did you ask for any? Did you throw your intention out there at all? Any conscious bit. contact? I think I did a little, a little, bit, bit, a little bit. There's, there's no, no flash bulbs. No. No streakers. No, no streakers. Just me. I peed outside. <laughs> but no, nothing like that. I guess I'm not just. Any planes going? And my by? kids are there too, so you know they they fucking still full out believe that there could be fucking aliens flying around up there. They're probably assuming that they're gonna see some. Hmm. So shouldn't that affect you? Guys should bring more kids out with you. Well, no. we I don't know. We don't we don't need any help. I think you do. <laughs> Clearly, you do. So I didn't know any planes. Did you have any planes? Uh no. We were pretty far off the flight path. Flight path. Yeah. Maybe three or four, but they're way, way, way uh, west of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. Nothing to report. So we're going out this weekend. Well, we should get a chance to go watch this weekend together. Oh, yeah, when this episode telescope. comes out, we'll probably be the next day. We'll be road tripping down to some trailer in the woods or something. Yeah, I'm going to bring the telescope. I got yeah, a sweet we, telescope. Nice. And we might do some podcasts and stuff. We'll probably do some podcasts. Still. We, usually, we usually will have a road trip bonus for you guys when we do that. Can we advertise a, another uh, shroomcast? America.ca slash support, guys. Can we advertise a shroomcast? We're going to give you a bonus app for the road trip. Shroomcast? And this is going to be a shroomcast. Yeah. But this one's not going in the regular feed like the last one did. This one is just going... In the bonus feed? In the bonus feed, yeah. There's too many people now for me to just... I'm feeling a little more apprehensive about it. Yeah. But there's only like 10 people in the black budget support feed, so (laughs) I don't mind them. So we'll do it. Joey's coming out of retirement for it. We're headed out to the mountains this time. This time should be a little better. We're not like in the basement. We're free to just like, no one else is going to be there. It's going to be a full, close to a full moon too. Real close to a full moon. And it looks like the weather's going to be okay. So we should be able to just walk out of the fucking trailer. and Won't see a ton of stars, but we can look at the moon with a telescope. Yeah. If we're not too fucked up. Should I bring my singing bowl and then meditation? Yeah, might as well. It would be interesting to go see SETI. Maybe we'll do some video. We'll bring the GoPro and stuff. You think so, you want to see SETI? Should we try that? We, do the meditation and everything? And just see, what, <laughs> see what the fuck happens. So yeah, that'll be there. Check out grammarica.ca support, guys. Sign up for a monthly and uh, you, you'll get access to that. Do a one-time donation. Seriously, the monthlies are the best. There's options. There's low as a buck a month. That's really like 25 cents an app. You care less about us than candy. Yeah, it helps us cover our expenses and stuff here. Which yeah, five bucks nice. seems to be the most popular. Again, check your subscriptions because I got a few cancellations last month. Just make sure oh, you, yeah. if you do really not like us, but it's good to just go now, check your subscription, make sure you're still subbed because uh, yeah, PayPal will actually PayPal's a fucker. Yeah, it'll disconnect and say that we had uh, unsubscribed you, which we've never done. So don't believe that if that happens. Propaganda. I know it happens to other shows as well, and I don't know why. But, you know, maybe people's credit cards expire, that kind of thing. So, I also want to push review in the show. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know, show. I feel like that's one of the really big ways to help us, is just to review the show, like five stars. I mean, a lot of these podcasts are reading them out. I mean, I would like to read one here. Do you want to read this? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I read one? You got a jingle? Or? And now another edition of Dry American Goodies by the people. Whenever I play that jingle, people should be thinking jingle opportunity. 
And we do listen to jingles. We had a good giggle fest here before we started recording this intro, and some jingles you might not hear on the air, but we do listen to them. Some of them may be a little Racy. inappropriate. <clears throat> no, I'm playing that one, man. I'm no, playing that one. at the end one. of the show, not no. in the middle of the show. What about at the very beginning? No. So this is from uh, Happy Alien in the UK, and he says, Conspiracy Hey. should probably say Conspiracy A, since we're Canadian. C-A-N-A-D-A. Get to it. Grimerica is most entertaining podcast on matters like conspiracy, paranormal experiences, as well as the unusual and shamanistic trends. These are to name but a few of the varieties of alternative media subjects these two talk about. It doesn't stop there. Darren and Graham are two Canadian nationals with very different personalities that still remain very good friends. One would not hesitate to take a shot at Bigfoot, while the other one would wish to, wouldn't wish to see it harmed in any way. Their pre- and post-show chats are filled with fun banter as well as comments on sub- subjects like listener trip reports, UFO quotes, chemtrails, and anything else that takes their fancy. Tickles or takes? Takes. Hmm. They take it the fancy in the UK instead of we tickle it here. They take it out there. They have interesting guests on all the time. And they are pretty knowledgeable in the subjects they talk about. I have listened to every episode at least once. I put the Grand America show on my top three alternative media shows. My all-time top three, he says. THC, Grand America, and Jimmy Church Radio. Between these three shows, you will never need to subscribe to another podcast show on these subjects again. And then he's got five thumbs up and a mushroom. Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Grand America for as little as a buck a month and keep it ad-free. Best buck I ever spent. Good advice. Yeah, thanks. Smart guy. Do what you can. Do what you can. What else you got? Man, I got to, I got some pretty heavy synchronicities from some listeners about some recent events, and I've got some feedback again and a long overdue email. What do you want to start with? Uh, Boy's choice. I got the UFO quote as well. What uh, do you want? I don't want to start with that. Okay, so let's let's get into this then. So the synchro. Yeah, here's a super synchro. I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. So this is from Ryan. He says, Graham, I don't know what to call this, but I'm freaked out. I'm texting you in the morning after the Vegas shooting. Last night, I was watching Netflix at around 1 a.m. Michigan time, which is three hours behind Vegas time. My Bernese mountain dog, who was instinctual, but often too lazy to care, was in our kitchen sleeping by the back door. All of a sudden, he lets out two barks that sent chills down my spine. Now, I usually don't think of anything of it, but for some reason, I was overcome with an urge to go grab my pistol from the nightstand, and I mean immediately. So after a quick check of the entrances of our small bungalow, I figured out everything was good, put the pistol back, and went back to Netflix. Still shaken, though, I went down to the bar in my basement to grab a beer, and I was suddenly enveloped with a fear, a feeling of terror. I wasn't scared, but the feeling I was experiencing could only be described as a feeling of terror, like a ghoul or demon or something straight from a horror film were about to appear. If that happened, I would have not have been surprised. 
It was almost like the feeling you get if you're about to watch one of those ter terrible ISIS beheading videos. Just pure evil. Anyway, I think you see what I'm getting at. Fast forward to this AM, heading to the gym. I'm listening to coverage on the incident, and I was about wrecked once the timeline of all this came to fruition. While I was dealing with the unusual dog barking and possible evil entity taking up residence at my bar, the Vegas thing was happening. 22.08 Vegas time. 1.08 Michigan time. I don't know what caused this. Coincidence, ephedrine, epinephrine dump from what I thought may have been an intruder into my home. Synchro, who knows, man. Just know this about me. I'm not the guy to freak out and grab my pistol anytime for dog barks. So with the approximate timing of everything, along with the feelings I felt on my mini beer run, I don't know, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So I, I don't even think I've had time to reply to Ryan, because it's pretty fresh and we've been pretty busy. But um, I was thinking about, um, you know that, that Global Consciousness Network and they had all those um, random number generators? Yes. That, would, that were affected at 9-11? Like maybe we can pick up this mass... Um, emotion from a location you know like i mean i wonder if they look at those random number generators now if something had spiked and you know maybe he's picking up on that or the dog was picking up on it who knows clearly both of them at some point yeah so then there's a follow-up email too so he says uh sync super synchro part two so graham in talking to my family about this crazy experience i wrote earlier about i found some more information out that makes it even crazier. So while I was at the gym, I got a text from my mom asking for the cable login. Not three minutes later, my wife texted me asking for the cable login. I asked if she had spoken to my mom and she said not. So I took it as a little mini sinker that was kind of acknowledging the weirdness that I experienced earlier. So I ended up calling my mom as I walked out of the gym and she tells me that my sister had been going to Vegas yesterday, the day of the shooting, for a wedding convention. One of the hotels that was taking part in this convention was Mandalay Bay. My sister loves Jason Aldean and would have gone to the show if given the opportunity. I'm trying to stay perceptive as today is one of the weirdest feelings, feeling days of my life. I'll keep you posted. Peace. And he says a donation is forthcoming after my honeymoon this week. Wow. Well, congratulations. Happy honeymoon. Yeah. Maybe, see, maybe that's the connection. Maybe that's why him and his dog felt it because there was some sort of family connection to it. That's which right. I was just thinking like, you know, maybe there's that, there's gotta be that, that's alternate, coherent somehow. Alternate timeline or. Yeah. Yeah. Something. If time is truly not linear and everything's happening at once and there's a bunch of different fucking, everything's every choice generates a different future that there could be some sort of overlap. Yeah. Sure. Mm, interesting. I'm not going to rate anything. No, it's no. Thank, but thanks, Ryan. I mean, did you want to talk about that Vegas thing at all? Uh, Other than that's, that, that's, pretty fresh. Yeah, some pretty weird stuff. Uh, we know we had a few Albertans, too. I think someone from Okotoks. That there? Yeah, the killed? killed. Yeah, no way. Yeah, and someone from Edmonton. I yeah, think. my friend, uh, my friend's friend, my my friend's girlfriend's friend or something or brother or something or was there at the at the thing? Really. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a weird one because we do know people and we've heard people locally that have been partake partaked in it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's a terrible thing. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully none of our listeners were too affected by it or affected at yeah. all. 
I hope our, yeah. our thoughts and prayers and love and light and all that stuff go out to all the people affected. Absolutely. Huh. And we'll so probably just, get into that. We'll probably, probably will dive into, I don't know. I bet you this weekend we'll be talking about it a little bit, dive into the, the all the narratives and the conspiracies around it. Probably. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't want to taint my mushroom experience. Got anything a little more uplifting, motherfucker? Uh, probably. Yeah, I got, I got one. This is just like the long overdue email. We don't have a jingle for that. Gerald in St. Louis. Gentlemen. Spam Graham. G-R-A-H-A-M at GrahamAmerica.com. This email is long overdue, but I wanted to throw some love your way and say thanks for the many years of Grimerica in my ears. I first entered the, entered the world of podcasts back in 2013, and you guys were one of the first I began to follow, along with Joe Rogan and the Higher Side Chats. Since then, I've added and dropped a multitude of podcasts to my feed, but Grimerica has remained a staple and continues to be one of the best. I have so much love and respect for your dedication to keeping the show ad-free as well as the overall quality of the character you two espouse. You two have developed a tremendous community of like-minded folks around the show, and it's clear that you care about all of us. Heck, you've even liked some of my Instagram posts in the past. What other podcast does that? I absolutely love the long banter-filled intros, and as someone recently commented on some previous feedback, I will sometimes skip the interviews, but I never skip the intro. That iTunes troll Mikey can take a hike. Long live the intros. Over the last couple of years, I began drifting away from the conspiracy stuff, fear-based, to a more spiritual and self-empowering outlook. I appreciate that you guys cover this side of the spectrum too. Recent shows that have really revved my engine were PMH Atwater, Tristan Haggard, Erliana Samsara, and Ricard, as well as some older shows like Dan Winter and Cliff High. Of all very timely episodes for me as I continue my path towards a more powerful, enlightened self. Looking forward to more stuff on Antarctica. Oh, yes. Lastly, I'd like to throw out a mention for a few individuals I've re- recently discovered who have really contributed to my increasing understanding of the universe. Admittedly, these are probably more up Graham's alley as the concepts they cover are pretty out there by conventional standards. <laughs> I recommend looking into Og Tellas. Rolled Boom and Flying Rainbow Lasagna. Yes, Flying Rainbow Lasagna. She's definitely a tough pill to swallow at first, but when you dig into all the information, it's quite, really quite fascinating. It makes a ton of sense. Not sure if any of these would be good guests, but certainly make for good brain candy if you want something lofty to chew on. Anyway, I'm getting long-winded, so I'll end it here. Thank you again for the great work, and I'll send a meager donation. Starving artist here, and we'll make more of an effort to do so again as funds permit. Much love, Gerald, in St. Louis. And P.S. Darren, don't shoot the Sasquatch. I'll take it into consideration. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> Thanks for the message, you, Joe. Man, we're going to be in the forest this week. We might hear some knocks on the trees. I better bring my I think knife. that's I Sasquatch territory. Your knife's going to do nothing against the Sasquatch. <laughs> you can just disappear in front of your eyes if he wants. It'll just show fear, and then you, you know, and then he won't come around. We'll don't see. bring any weapons. You don't need weapons in the forest. You think I could just tackle him? You're not going to even <laughs> just enjoy his presence. Wonder if Joey has a gun. Oh my god. Hmm. So what else? 
down and great uh. going deep uh. it's a profound <laughs> UFO quote of the week uh. okay okay Okay. Okay. It was May twenty fourth. Okay. 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 This is the profound. Okay. UFO quote. Okay. 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 It was May twenty fourth, and we are lying, drifting on a leisurely swell, in exactly ninety five degrees west and seven degrees south. We saw the shine of phosphorescent eyes drifting on the surface on dark nights, and on one single occasion, we saw the sea boil and bubble while something like a big wheel came up and rotated in the air. While some of our dolphins tried to escape by hurling themselves desperately through space. That was from Thor Heyerdahl, the Contiki Raft, in May 1947. What dolphins? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was weird. I haven't. I didn't read the whole thing. <laughs> his dolphins, like when he had dolphins traveling with him, his own dolphins jumped in his face. <laughs> Pretty profound. That's got to be the weirdest UFO quote yet. While some of our dolphins tried to escape by hurling themselves desperately through space. There you have it, buddy. There you have it. So what else? Precog, Synchro, Precog, Listener Reviews. Yeah, just that's about it, I think. Review the show, and we'll have a good uh, run, wrap up next week. Oh, what else do we need to talk about? Oh, that's about it, I think. Well, I'm sure we're forgetting a bunch of shit. Yeah. Ponzi, I sent out your magnets. They're in Graham's hands now with a stamp and everything on them. So. Did you put them back in my pocket? Yeah. Okay, there's uh. So do, do we talk about the chats? No. There's a perpetual chat. There's a link in the show notes to it. Already played the jingle from the chat. Oh yeah, right. Do everything in the show notes. Everything will be all right. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. the chat with uh, Brian Sovereign, Sovereign Tech. So tonight we've got with us uh, Brian Sovereign of Sovereign Tech Podcast, and he's a, a developer of Zomia Offline Games, and he's got a podcast, Sovereign Tech. He's a, he talks about tech and anarchy as well, which is really interesting. Two of the things that uh, we're kind of always interested in a little bit, but we don't, we don't really get a chance to get into very much on the show, so it's good to have him with us today. So thanks for coming on the show, Brian. 
Oh, it's a real honor. Uh, yeah, definitely love to talk tech and anarchy. And, you know, I know you guys like to get into uh, perhaps the, the conspiratorial and, and, and some other wild subjects that I, I absolutely love talking that stuff. So it makes life interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. And I want to give a shout out to Eric Heldstad, who's one of the listeners who put us in touch. And he was like one of the he was one of your, you know, one of his favorite podcasts was Sovereign Tech. And he says, um, you know, we should get in touch with you. So I, sometimes I forget to give our listeners a specific shout out. So I'm glad he connected us. He's yeah, right on. Love the synergy. Last name. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, Darren's been interested in anarchy lately and Darren's kind of the techie, techie of, you know, of, of both of us. So it's, it's really interesting to get into both of these subjects for a bit. I mean, Darren, we, we, we don't talk about politics that much on the show. I mean, I know you've heard a couple of our episodes, but we try and stay away from it, but we've been talking about exploring this a little deeper. So it'd be good to, to get into that a little bit. We stay you. away from it more these days than we used to. That's for sure. Like, I mean, a couple of years ago, it wasn't quite as loaded. Yeah, sure. That's totally understandable. I mean, uh, I, you know, honestly, like I talk about anarchism, but I talk about anarchism sort of because it's like anti-political yeah. in that it comes up with solutions that don't require, you know, the use of force that don't require political action and electoral politics and all that. So I, I can really appreciate that, especially, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's loaded today. I mean, ever since that orange guy, you know, got put in office, it's, uh, Things have been a little crazy, and you can almost believe anything that gets said. So, yeah, steering clear of it, not a terrible idea. <laughs> I totally understand that. Gets into trouble. Well, that's you, because it's even changed some people in the libertarian movement as well, hasn't it? I mean, hasn't it sort of shifted some some people more towards or away from politics, more than, more so than would normally happen? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we're really in very polarizing times, uh, that's for sure. And a lot of people, I, I think, you know, when Trump, I guess we can say his name, I mean, when he was on the campaign trail, seemed like a very a very anti-authoritarian, which is iron, an ironic statement because, you know, the presidency of the United States is the most authoritarian position in the world. Uh, but he seemed very anti-authoritarian, very anti-legacy system, you know, and so I think a lot of people were very attracted to that. They felt like he was finally, you know, kind of pulling the curtain from the from the Wizard of Oz. And of course, then when, you know, once this person gets in office, does anything feel any different? No, not really. But I think there's maybe a lot of people that feel a lot of pride or other things where they're like, oh, no, no, I got to double down. I just got to stick with this. I finally voted for once or I did whatever. And, and I'm, I'm going to ride with it, though. I will say I, I know. I mean, I. I frequent a lot of libertarian circles and admittedly ever since like the MOBA dropped and some other things have been happening, um, they, it seems like some libertarians are coming to their senses that, okay, wait a minute, we were wrong and they'll admit that they're wrong. And that's always good to hear too. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you mean wrong, you mean wrong that this wasn't the change that people thought could happen. Like that really the deep state is kind of in, in control in the end anyways. And, the president, yeah, precisely. Like a, president is like a puppet like we thought all along. Yeah, precisely. I think that that kind of thinking, yeah. uh, you know, finally prevailed for a lot of people. I mean, not for everyone, but there's some who, I, you know, I want to give credit to for at least coming out and saying, oops, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a good point. So what what brought you towards um, anarchism? Like, was, and has it been a long time? Like, because, I mean, we've, I mean, I've thought about it for, I don't know, five or ten years maybe. I mean, I haven't been that into it but i, I definitely go, thought about i can't go full anarchy yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well now i have to convert you no i'm kidding i don't think i don't think converting necessarily works but um, i'm a registered as far as libertarian like, though 
Really? Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah, fastest growing party in Canada. Yeah, I, I actually, I've I've heard that. So, okay, well, cool. Um, I mean, as far as like my own path uh, with with anarchism, um, I was in I was actually in the the U.S. military uh, back in two thousand two to oh four, and you know when when you're when you're that deep in the beast, shall we say, uh, you know, if you if you've got a brain on your head, you can you can kind of kind of see the reality of what's going on, right, uh, right. you know, with, with all of that. And so I had my uh, my moment um, where you know I realized kind of the reality of the situation. I mean, and, and it took a few years after that. It wasn't until I want to say it wasn't until like maybe I don't know twenty two thousand eight when I started to become what what people will call liberty minded, mm -hmm. where you're you know either a libertarian or libertarian ish something mm -hmm. like that. And then two thousand ten, um, you know, it really then then it started to click that okay, no, you know, all of this is like you know all of electoral politics is just way off base, uh, and you know, and I would even argue unethical. But regardless, um, in fact, what it was there there was a couple of particular moments, but one of them there was a guy named Judge Andrew Napolitano who's very famous in libertarian circles. Yep. Uh, and he was on a show. He was on John Stossel's show, which at the time was on Fox Business. And he was debating a more political anarchist, uh, and th the debate was going on, and they said, okay, well, if we get rid of government, what do we do about the Navy? And Judge Andrew Napolitano just straight-laced, straight-faced said, who says you need a Navy? And as soon as he said that, it was just like a switch went off in my head. It was just like, oh, right, yeah, who says you need a Navy? Wow. You know, and, and, and it was – I mean, it's such a simple statement to make, but for me, it was very powerful, especially with my history in the military. Uh, you know, to hear somebody like say that, of course, on such a, a a big stage as Fox Business was at the time, regardless of my problems with Fox News, uh, that that was really something for me. So, so that 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 really cemented me um, on that. But then, anarchism has a lot of different flavors, and certainly, you know, ever since I've decided to declare myself an anarchist, there has been, uh, you know, I, I've shifted in, in, in perhaps what prefixes or suffixes I would put on that. So that's a, that's my path. Huh. So, the, I mean, it interests me in many ways, but one of the ways, and I'd like to hear your argument, like your, your sort of your, your, you know, your, uh, your argument for it, I guess, and maybe some of the responses that the people would mainly argue against it, because I did, I did, I do think it's one of those things that takes a while to wake up to Like I've sure, you know, I, but why I, I like it in theory is because, and I don't know if there's evidence that it will actually work on a large scale, but we can talk about that as well. But in theory, I like it because my day-to-day -day interactions with people and with situations and even just making a transaction on Kijiji or something, I've had these experiences where I buy or sell something from some stranger on Kijiji and it feels like the, the greatest experience ever. Like I get all <laughs> weird and emotional. I'm like, what the, you know, this was just a great, like, we both got what we wanted out of this deal and it was just made, you know, I don't know. I think that's like, a, I think that's a experience of a, a part of what anarchy would be like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't have necessarily, I mean, again, there are a lot of different types of anarchism. Um, I usually try to steer clear of like pinning down a type. Um, I mean, the first, the most important thing I think really to, you know, to say is that, Anarchism like doesn't promise any kind of utopia or paradise. 
Um, all really anarchism is about is giving you choice and opportunities, like the choice to deal with people that, you know, you, you did, uh, you know, through the service you mentioned and everything, giving you that ability. And there isn't a government to, to get in the way of that. Now, I mean, there's the chance that that could have been a very bad business deal, you know, certainly. But that'd be true whether there was governments or not. Right. Uh, but, but I mean, you know, there's old concepts in, in, in human interaction, like a caveat emptor which, you know, means buyer beware. Okay, well, I mean, that's been known for a very long time. That's why it's even in another language. Okay, because, <laughs> you know, because, and, and a dead language at that, um, because this is just how humans have always sort of dealt with each other. I mean, I make the argument that everybody's born two things. And, uh, you know, if people want to disagree with it, that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very peaceful guy. Uh, but, you know, you're either uh, you're you're born an anarchist and an atheist, in my opinion. That's that's absolutely what you're you know what you're born. Everything else is a social construct that comes afterwards. So, you know, that's that's my thoughts on it. Hmm. Um, so yeah, there's these very basic. I I think you you tapped into something very primal of just this this you know very comforting, perhaps even uh, uh, touching on a, a biological universal, something like empathy. Uh, which is, you know, uh, uh, again, it's a biological, you know, precept of of almost every every, uh, not even just sapient but sentient creature. I mean, rats have empathy, and it allowed for a peaceful interaction between the two of you because it's just, I mean, you don't want to fall into a natural naturalistic fallacy or anything, but it's just nature, and mm. and and it was a beautiful thing for you. And I think if people could get in touch more with, uh, you know, those aspects of themselves, you know, say like empathy and things like that. Yeah, you don't need, you know, some kind of like overarching uh, enforcement body uh, you know that 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 makes sure that the deal is handled well in all of this uh, I, I think humans naturally you know I remember you know of course I'm sure you, you know the movie Fight Club um, I think one of the beautiful points in that was that people will do almost anything to avoid a fight and I think that's absolutely true I think that's that's a fair statement to make is that you know people really don't want to mess with each other that people really want peaceful interactions yeah. um, overall there's just things that go on that, that I don't know maybe convince them otherwise at times but anyway please continue I agree <laughs> no I think we're cooperative as, as opposed to really competitive as a as more of a nature I mean I really do think that's sure. the way it is but it, like you say it's um either social contract or culturally influenced from I mean just the just the I mean just the media and the news even I mean just got to change you know it, it's way more it's way less fearful out there day to day than you would think by watching some of the media any and even social media include included in that Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go on Facebook and you know, you'd think the world was burning, but then you can go to the grocery store and amazingly everybody's just fine. And you could talk to anybody, any race, any color, uh, any persuasion, religious or otherwise. Exactly. I mean, and everything happen happens just fine. I mean, exactly. that's, that's just the way things normally work when you don't have, uh, you know, like these domination structures or these fear mongering, you know, businesses like the media and whatever else or social media, you know, telling you that, oh, no, 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 everything's bad. You need us. You know, I mean, fear is what empowers a lot of these, uh, you know, institutions. Just stay away from the colleges. <laughs> oh, colleges is terrible. <laughs> stay away from public schools. Stay away from all that. <laughs> you know, I, I love Isaac Asimov. He said that he's convinced the only education there is is self-education. I think that's the absolute truth. Uh, I mean, you know, teach yourself. That's that's how you go about it. Yeah. Bango, bango. That's one of the one of the you know easy arguments against it. Uh, really, the government, you know, schools and but there are some 
some trickier, Ed- trickier ones. Education systems, a fucking joke. Yeah, that's, yeah that, that's an easy one. But I mean, there's you know stuff like infrastructure and roads. Like people, I think, have a hard time. I mean, roads is like one of the big, big arguments, I believe. And I think people have a hard time imagining how we would be here without got the government. Sure. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, there's a lot of like infrastructure type things that people just can't imagine, uh, you know, existing without government. Um, You know, government has in many ways made sure that they are the ones building that infrastructure. And that's not to say that others independently, you know, private business or private individuals hadn't tried. Uh, For example, you had in the 19th century, um, I like to stick to more recent stuff because people, you know, if you start telling them history, usually they say, Oh, well, that was 100 years ago or something. Well, I still think that's very recent, but whatever. Anyway, so, for example, uh, there was an anarchist uh, who is also someone that kind of helped me in my you know, little awakening towards a- anarchism. Uh, his name was Lysander Spooner, and he tried creating an independent uh, uh, mail service. You know, this is in the 19th century, and the government shut him down. It's not because he was doing anything bad or wrong. They just didn't want any competition. And, of course, I mean, the U.S., the the United States Postal Service is a very odd, like, hybrid animal. It's, like, partly government, partly private. It's it's a strange thing. But, Mm -hmm. anyway, they they didn't like that competition. Uh, Equally, at that same time, I mean, most roads of of the 19th century, most of the original roads, you know, were built by private industry. Um, and you know, there's even one could get, and some anarchists kind of go this direction. One could get particularly fancy and say, look, you know, at least in the United States, you have 30,000 deaths a year on average, uh, from people, you know, just driving, you know? And so the question becomes, okay, there's so much incentive and there's so much money put into making sure that cars, automobiles and buses and whatever else are so safe and save lives. Why are there still 30,000 people dying a year? What if it's the roads? Like, what if roads are actually a very bad thing, you know, but we're never allowed to because it's all legislated and, you, and you, you know, that's what we have to we have to use. And that's what gets explored and all that uh, through the government. You know, what, what if there's alternatives even to that? I mean, that, that's kind of a fancy, you know, answer to, to, to bat back at with, you know, who will build the roads. But really, it's the people that will build the roads. And yeah. you see it happen in communities all the time where, you know, because I mean, how great is a city at maintaining a lot of those roads? They do a terrible job, usually. Uh, just your average community people will just go out there. They'll buy their own blacktop at Home Depot and they'll start filling in all the potholes. So you already kind of see it. Who will build it? The people will. Yeah. Hmm. So what about, um, go, do, you have, do you have a question there? Oh, I think there'll be patches of gravel in the road though. Patches of gravel? Yeah. <laughs> and the people's houses are like, yeah, the road's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine there. It is. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and if that did happen, I mean, that's for the people to choose. Right. You know, it, it's <laughs> I mean, because, again, you know, anarchism, like I said, isn't like it's it's not it's not necessarily selling you that, oh, everything's going to be amazing. Everything's going to be exactly the same. Everything's going to be utopia. It's a question of what's ethical, what's not, you know, like what is OK to do? Is it OK to, you know. Uh, here's, I mean, this is something that, that amazingly has become a common statement. I'm glad that it has, but you know, taxation is theft. Yeah. Okay. Is it okay to steal from somebody? No. So, you know, I mean, you can, I guess you could choose lesser of two evils and say, yeah, but we want roads. So we're going to tax. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying is that there's no promise of utopia, but it does come down to what's actually ethical and what isn't. And, and I think once you start going down the road of saying, no pun intended, but, you know, of saying that, well, yeah, but we got to have roads. 
then you start creating all kinds of arguments and eventually you end up at w with war and all these kind. you know, it be, it, I think it becomes a very slippery slope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, once you start saying that, that no, yeah. well, we can steal sometimes we can do this sometimes. Uh, so anyway, I've, re I've really noticed, especially in this last year, the, and we talked about the polarization and a lot of the politics, but, but the, you know, what America was founded on, like it really seems to be coming to light that we're really for you guys. I mean, we're in Canada, so it's a little different, right? right? But 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 those, you know the your your constitution and the uh, what's the other one again? Bill of Rights. <laughs> the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, we have the Bill of Rights. We have so. the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, getting shorter. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, it seems like we're we're realizing, or you're realizing, and we're just right behind you, that that you're farther away from that than than anybody ever thought like and, and it seems like it's been slipping for over 100 years but it was that close to anarchy like was that as close to anarchy as people i've, I've never really thought well, to I compare it like this but like is, is what is what they were were suggesting as close as you would dare to get back then to anarchism well, this gets into some some weird areas. Um, there seem to be suggestions of anarchism that were coming along the way. For example, uh, Thomas Jefferson, who of course was really big, uh, you know, about the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, uh, you know, our Bill of Rights, and um, you know, and then the Constitution. And of course, he ended up being a president and everything. Uh, he had a very interesting relationship with a guy named Adam Weishaupt, who is you know considered to be the part of the. Uh, not questionable that it existed, you know, Bavarian Illuminati. This is the guy that kind of started that whole thing, right? And I'm, I'm sure you guys know all this, but anyway. Uh, but anyway, you know, in some of the some of the interactions that, or some of the uh, correspondence with, particularly with like Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, uh, there is where he writes that, hey, you know, this guy Adam Weishaupt, he's talking about how, guess what? You know, men don't need governments. We don't need the church. We don't need this. Hmm. So, I mean, the people at the time seemed to have some concept yeah. Of, yeah. of anarchism. And also, you know, Jefferson was really big on saying that, you know, there shouldn't be such a thing as national debt. Uh, you know, he has quite a few quotes, you know, along those lines. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that the Constitution, I mean, it's certainly not a perfect document. One could argue that I think the argument could be made that as much as some people considered a freeing document was that it was just a very clever way to incrementally bring in tyranny, you know, and that it was never really like a libertarian document or, or anything approaching anarchism at all. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm open to both interpretations. Right, of that. Right. But bottom line is, is that certainly there were people back then uh, that that had their eye on the idea of no government. Right. And I mean, and a lot of those amendments, I mean, a lot of that's just not being, being followed or being allowed even, it seems to be down there right now. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, even if the constitution, you know, mattered to me, I mean, it, like, obviously it doesn't matter to the people in Washington, DC. I mean, yeah, they exactly, don't, <laughs> exactly, yeah. you know, George Bush might've been right when he said, what is it? The constitution is just a GD piece of, pa uh, piece of paper. I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. You're <laughs> <laughs> for the wrong reasons, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So is there evidence for anarchism working? Because I, I mean, I don't even know if there's real evidence of any system working properly um, or working good. I mean, there's Doesn't always seem like other... there's anywhere you could go try it out. You know, like seems like everywhere's taken. <laughs> yeah, well, that is a real problem. I mean, but there are areas where, um, in fact, you mentioned uh, the name of my game company, which is called Zomi Offline Games. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
there's a very popular book, I think it's by Jason C. Scott, called uh, The Art of Not Being Governed. And it's all about this area uh, near near China called Zomia. It's just this geographic landmass. And it's this area, it's like a hilly area, you know, kind of part of the, uh, you know, the mountain ranges there. Yep. And the the people there, I mean, they, they have no government. It's like, it's one of the few spots on earth that seem to not be claimed. But otherwise, you're right. I mean, they're, they're generally all claimed by somebody. And honestly, even if it's something, you know, like the North Pole or Antarctica or something where it's not claimed, it's all being agreed upon by all the governments of the world that it's not being claimed. So it's still kind of claimed by governments, right? <laughs> and it's cold <laughs> as fuck. Like, I'm pretty good yeah. for it. Setting up show, yeah. Let's go start a commune in fucking Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. We'll take over McMurdo, and yeah, right, exactly. So, well, you might um, find that oasis at, at the same time. It, it seems like, like it might be there's a hot little spot in there with the pyramids down there and everything. You might be able to rebuild yeah. that. Yeah, true that. There you go. I'll go in the lava tunnels. <laughs> yeah, pick up your copy of the Puri Rees map, and I'm sure yeah. you'll find a good spot somewhere. That's, yeah, that's where, in some ways, it seems easier. Like in these small, like Alberta's only got four million people, for example, or a state like Oregon's got four million people, and I don't know Montana mm-hmm. and Idaho probably aren't much off that either. You know, like those are the little places that you 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 could get a grassroots move, movement and maybe co-opt a libertarianism sort of outlook. Like, wasn't fucking Texas libertarian for a while, libertarian governor? Well, it was, I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean I you're still binded by federal, but I, I mean, it's a start, you know, like, I don't well, know. Well, so, yeah, so I'm actually, I'm a part, I live in New Hampshire um, and I moved here from New York. Uh, not that that's a, a far move, but it's certainly a more beautiful one. Um, but uh, anyway, I moved to New Hampshire for what's called the Free State Project, um, which you can find at freestateproject.org. The idea of that is actually to get 20,000 quote-unquote liberty-loving people to one geographic landmass oh. and for them to try and influence things to where you get at least at least towards a, you know, a brand of libertarianism. Um, I would like it to go obviously significantly much further. Uh, there's an active secessionist movement in New Hampshire. Uh, you know, wow. trying to to break away from the federal government. And and actually, so it needed it needed 20,000 signers. That's what people, or that's what the Free State Project board effectively was looking for. And this yeah. is a project that's been around for a little over 10 years. Um, and just, uh, I think just two years ago, they finally got their 20,000 signers. So, and then once there's 20,000 signers, all the people that signed are supposed to, and I mean, there's no enforcement around this, but they're supposed to move within five years. Um, so that's, that is an attempt, you know, in that, in that direction, uh, kind of like what you were describing. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. We should try that shit here. We should get everyone into Alberta. Yeah, free province project. <laughs> Boom. And we've got, guess, there might be less people in Saskatchewan, and, and but let's what? be honest, Saskatchewan's a piece of shit. And we've already got good roads here. <laughs> no, you know what? We've already got good roads, because when I take the back roads to Saskatchewan, it's, it's, it, as soon as you, you hit the border, Manitoba, bro. I, you can fly. It's like driving into the third world. No, but just wait. You can fly on a smooth road through the Alberta back roads. As soon as you hit the next province over, it's a it, you can't even... Go half the speed. It's, it's completely of the bumpy and tar- no, it's not the weather. That's so dry here that the roads are just good maintained. Yeah, right at the border. Right at the border. <laughs> right of the right at the border. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what they make jeeps and Land Rovers for, right? So, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, you know, I will say that I I do you know kind of to answer another one of your questions about like can it actually work? Is there evidence that yeah, it works? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are like. There are little areas where it's it's being tried, uh, even like in the Middle East and some other spots. But 
I, you know, me personally, I, I, I said earlier, I mentioned the term biological universals. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in this concept of, or not a believer, I think it's a scientific concept. It has plenty of research behind it. Uh, what's called the uh, Dunbar's number. I don't yep. know if you've heard of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. 150, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is, is that you can only like have any kind of meaningful relationship with 150 people. Um, and even within that, even within Dunbar's number, like it breaks down into into smaller and smaller circles, like to have really deep relationships, you can only have between five to 15 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that there is actually really something to that. I, I think that part a lot of the aggression, a lot of the problems that occur come from the fact that that people do sort of have this this loss that they, they've lost the sense of community. Unity, uh, and that I think if if you had, I don't ever believe, and there's a lot of anarchists that that think the opposite of me. I don't think that we're ever going to have like an entire planet Earth where everything is is anarchism. You know, where suddenly all governments are gone. I think there's just too many people that, at varying points and for whatever reasons of expressions of traumas or you know or whatever, um, they're going to you know they're going to want government or they're going to want something like it or they're going to want big business or some other kind of nonsense. Um, so I I'm. My belief is, is that, yeah, you, you can get a few people together, you know, somewhere within Dunbar's number. I don't know. It could be on the small end or the larger end. And you could get in an area. And I think you can get I, I say this all the time. I think you can get about 99 percent of the way there. You might have to pay a land tax or something. But otherwise, you could effectively within that group really practice um, anarchism, even right down to having a miniature economy and all this, even if you're kind of leeching off perhaps, of you know, uh, what, what the status, as they call them, or, you know, around you are, are producing or something along those lines. Uh, I mean, to say nothing of, you know, 3D printers and a lot of other technologies that are really empowering individuals to be you know, one person economies, I mean, all the way, you know, so, uh, so th that's kind of always been the way I thought about it with anarchism is that, yeah, you can have anarchism, but it's going to be in very small, you know, small areas. Uh, there's a guy, Hakeem Bay, who is, uh, widely credited as the, the guy that inspired Burning Man, uh, you know, the events Burning Man. Yeah. And his, his idea is, was called, they were called TAZs, which stood for, it was, a, a an acronym for temporary autonomous zone. Uh, he also had passes, which were permanent autonomous zones. Huh. But this is effectively Burning Man, where you you know you have a temporary autonomous zone where you have this one spot where you hang out with your fellow anarchists and everything. And he, Hakeem Bay, was an anarchist. Um, not to say it was perfect, but anyway, and and they would get together and they would have you, you know you would live in this one area for a little while, then maybe you'd move on to another one, or you'd create a permanent autonomous zone or something. So it's not a new idea in anarchism that that really the only way you're going to live it is if you're doing it with a small amount of people in varying areas. Yeah, almost like a commune, really, in a way. I mean, maybe they were trying that type of thing in the in the '60s too. I don't know. Oh sure, the the kibbutz or whatever you know in Israel. I lived on kibbutz for a bit, a couple I months. Bet, oh, right on. Did. Okay, yeah, I bet you did. Yeah, I... <laughs> it explains everything, right? Yeah. It explains a lot. No, I did. I did. I was picking cotton. Another guy. Oh god. I was picking cotton at like six in the morning with the jackals and the and the sunrise in the in the mountains and the Golan Heights between Syria and Lebanon when I was twenty. Uh, wow, I was only now that's got to be a story. Yeah, I was there for a couple months, and and you know it was a like a self sufficient farm community. You know, it was pretty cool. There was a bunch of uh, there's a few of those here. Old people there, and then a bunch of travelers from all around the world just living. Uh, you know, kind of stalling their travels to just live and and uh, live and and not you know spend money for a while. You know, you sure. didn't you didn't make a lot, but at least you got fed, and it was it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, certainly those are experiments. You know, I mean, and and. 
that's one economic system that people can try. I think there's a multitude of economic systems that people can try as far as if they get into those kind of communities. Uh, so, yeah, fascinating stuff. Yeah. There's a bunch of farms here like that. They got like fucking little row little townhouses. Well, there's a new yeah, acronym. There's a new acronym. I'm going to talk a little weird like this. I was talking to you so a little <laughs> bit off when I'm talking to you. That's, how it is. Really? That's where I buy my hay. Great deal. You don't buy hay. Yeah, I have to buy hay for the bunnies. Oh, do you? Yeah. I'll go over there to like this, or... That's an Eastern... You're talking like a Newfie. No, no, they're like some sort of weird German. Really? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just like... I don't think those people get out a lot. <laughs> they the seem Amish? nice enough. Sure not the Amish type? Well, they're like Hutterite. Oh, Hutterite. Out here, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good dog. Canada Great is a strange place. No. <laughs> yeah, we are pretty strange. Eh? Yeah. Well, so, most of the places I've been in America got their own sort of strangeness to them. Oh, I, I wouldn't argue that for a second. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> those yeah, are they, the funnest places, a, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Once you get over the initial fear, you find out that, you know, everyone's Yeah, kind of like David Bowie really said, I'm afraid yeah. of Americans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you bring... How do you reconcile the tech part of it? You're, you're interested in tech and anarchism, which is interesting Bitcoin because... Bitcoin fits uh, in perfect. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's also the, you know, the technocracy and that uprising and the technocrats and, and, you know, the technology that's being used to rule the world in a bad way. So you must have to separate that out or figure out how to not fall into that trap. And then you have sure, to wonder well, if I get my iPhone X uh, in an anarchist system. Because yeah. that's important. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it certainly makes for plenty of fodder for my show uh, because, I mean, you know, a lot of these technologies are being used absolutely to, you know, surveil, um, you know, it's being used against you in a million ways that that attack your liberties. Uh, and that's that's often where where, it come, where I come in is that, you know, I kind of you know raise the red flag on a lot of these, uh, you know, different technologies that are um, that are out there. And I thought it was important to do because, you know, to do a show about that with the anarchist perspective, because most of the tech journalists out there aren't anarchists. Now, I mean, there's plenty of people in, in the what, you know, what you could call the tech world um, that are anarchists. Some of them, you know, make some of the most popular software in the world. For example, uh, the Signal messaging app yeah. uh, is made by uh, an anarchist, Moxie Marlin Spike. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there weren't, there wasn't anybody out there saying, Hey, you know, wait a minute. What if, you know, what, te what are the, what, which technologies are actually, you know, which ones empower the individual and which uh, technologies do the exact opposite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's where I come in. And, you know, unfortunately I, I have to talk about a lot more bad than I talk about good, right. uh, you know, as, as far as how it affects um, yeah, the individual. That, that facial recognition seems sketchy. Oh, like on the new iPhone? Yeah, yeah. I don't for think a lot of a way reasons. to bypass that, you know. Like I don't, I, I will, I won't do the fingerprint feature even. And now you're gonna do facial recognition. It's just like, bling. Here's fucking Darren Grimes, host of Grime America Show, General Jackass. I don't need that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, biometrics in general are one of the things which is like facial recognition or fingerprint recognition. Um, are it's one of the technologies that I you know, really, you know, rally cry against as often as I can. 
because they fail across the board. Um, the Galaxy S8, Samsung's Galaxy S8, which also came out this year, uh, they did the same thing. They had, uh, you know, their version of Face ID, which is what it's being called on the uh, on the iPhone 10. Um, and like on the demo floor, the day that they announced it and they put it out there, it was cracked. You know, a guy, they, they just took a piece of paper with the picture of the guy's face and all they did was like fold the paper. And, and it, you know, it broke the 3D image scanning of, of the, you know, the Galaxy S8. Uh, I mean, these things, these technologies don't work. Uh, and, and I, <laughs> well, I'm more comfortable you know, with that. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, but I mean, I don't know if it's going to be any better. Maybe it'll be a little bit better, you know, with the iPhone 10 because Apple does have an, you know, they have all the money in the world. So, you know, they can hire the best engineers in the world. Not that Samsung's too shabby either, but uh, certainly they, you know, they do a better job as far as security goes. I'm not an Apple fanboy or anything, but uh, in any case, you know, I think we'll find pretty quickly that that'll get cracked too, but not, you know, not even that. I mean, when you're crossing, I'm sure you guys, you know, come to America often enough um, yeah, yeah. or at least at some point. And, you know, when you're dealing say with border patrol, you know, United States border patrol, uh, there is the huge argument ever since, really ever since, I guess it was maybe the iPhone, was it the 5 or the 6, when they introduced, um, you know, Touch ID, which is the fingerprint reader on the iPhone. Uh, there was a huge legal argument that kind of is still going on, but it's sort of been resolved, um, which is, wait a minute, you know, can can I be compelled by a police officer or a border patrol agent uh, to, you know, to, to give my fingerprint? As to where with your password, that's protected. Like if it's a PIN number or a password that you have, um, you cannot be compelled to to give that to them, at least not legally. Do you mean, you mean, mean to still... get into the phone, you mean? or? Yeah, I'm sorry, to unlock the phone, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so because that would break your Fifth Amendment rights, at least in the United States. Um, not anymore, and, not you know, in Canada. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. Canada, they could, you got to give that shit up. Yeah, that's I know it's true for for Britain, too. It's it's really uh, crazy, you know, as far as that goes. So but anyway, there was this huge argument about that. You know, wait a minute. But can I can I really do that? And I've recommended on my show, you know, for years, don't use fingerprint sensors uh, because there's that potential that you can be, uh, you know, compelled legally, uh, to, you know, to hand over, you know, you know, to unlock your phone when you don't want to. I mean, of course, yes, the Border Patrol agent, if you don't unlock it, they can take it away from you and they can hold it for like 30 days. There's a lot of legality around that. But in some ways, the principle is the thing, right? Now, here's the thing is that, okay, there's an argument around whether or not they can compel you to use your fingerprint. What argument you. is there? What's that? They can just clobber you. clobber you too. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Right, exactly. Uh, but I mean, you know, but t take something like the iPhone 10. What argument is there for the, you know, the police officer to to hold, you know, your phone up to your face and just unlock it? You know, After I mean, it like, it, you. Right, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, there's, there's just, it's the worst security idea, in, uh, not in history, but pretty damn near, you know, I mean, that's why biometrics for so many reasons uh, is just a, a terrible, terrible idea. Um, and, and so, yeah, the iPhone 10, I'm not very excited about that at all. So people only look at it from the aspect of if they lose their phone, they don't think about the, you know, so many people are just completely blind to the big brother aspect of it all. It's yeah. Just, and I, I mean, I, it's honestly, it's making it easier for them to because they can literally, like I said, they can just clobber you. Just boom. Okay, yeah. buddy's got a couple million in Bitcoin on his phone. Let's go fucking cut his hand off. Hit right. The road. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. You know, and, and it really does, you know, all of these things that get sold as security, 
uh, is really only security, perhaps against the everyday person, like you said, that you know could could take your phone, you know, from you or something. But are you know just your run of the mill thief or maybe hacker or something like that that's hanging out at Starbucks. But as far as you know, the government, as far as the you know powers that be, whatever, um, you know, I mean, for them, it just makes it easy. You know, uh, so yeah, I, I I find a lot of those technologies to be very troubling. At the same time, you know. Part of the reasons I think that people accept this is because there's a million ways in which our smartphones really improve our lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and and that's that's always. I mean, there's always a trade-off between security and convenience. There's nothing you can do about that. That is just that should be uh, that should be like the tenth law of thermodynamics. Okay. That that you know, security and convenience are in constant you know conflict and trade-off. Well, the other okay. the other thing is that, that they're already there anyways. They can already. I mean, you know, you talked about Signal, and and I I heard I've heard you talk about that before about that being the safer app to use. But you know, haven't they got backdoor now anyways? And it doesn't matter what app you're using, that they can get the information from direct from uh, the source. Well, they don't have backdoors into Signal itself. Um, no, but, but into the okay. device you're using, I mean. Oh, potentially to the device, yeah. And then, I, I mean, yeah, there's, at the end of the day, it comes down to making it as expensive as possible for, you know, um, you know for these various enforcement bodies, you know, right, governments right. And, and domination structures. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Because, yeah, I mean, you can make the, you know, I, I could make the argument that, well, but, you know, Microsoft, uh, they own your SwiftKey keyboard that you installed on your phone, uh, and they could be logging everything that you type into Signal, so you're screwed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, right, you know, and, and I understand that, and I think there's validity to that point. But it's um, one but, level deeper. Well, not only that, it's a little bit harder for them to get there. Didn't one of those exactly. CIA fucking drops say that they were infiltrating the phones at that, the... That's what I was yeah, getting at, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, like like Brian's saying, and like if my... If you believe WikiLeaks, which, you know, I tend to... Because when when we go out to do the CSETI thing, we we only use Signal for the location, right? And I was I was challenging oh the God. the organizer on that, right? Come I said, on, well, you're embarrassing me. I said, well, <laughs> well, you know, they they can see that app as well, and they were saying, and they made a good argument. They're like, it's just one level deeper of you know, it's a pain to get there, right? It's much easier if you know they can follow our texts as opposed to who's following your texts. I don't know the deep state or whoever's flying the UFOs around. Canadian I don't deep know. State. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I mean, what do you? I don't know. Hey, I'm trying not to say it's, it's ET when province. we see when we see lights and shit flying around and well, flashes e and all that. ET can if it, crack maybe signal. It's, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, you know the military industrial complex. I don't know. But, you know, I'm trying to be non-dogmatic about what we see out there, and we're just trying to be safe. <laughs> With our communications. <laughs> I like that yeah, you I, call them communications. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I say this. Yeah. <laughs> Roger. We'll go back to the CVs, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's true. I think that if you are targeted, say, by one of these alphabet soup organizations, you know, the NSA, GCHQ, whatever, okay, if you're, like, targeted, like, they're going after Graham or something like that, uh, there's nothing, in my opinion, that Graham can do. You know, like, I mean, you're just, you're you're done. They're going to, whatever it ends up being, uh, you know, one of my favorite things, and, and now it's more or less been reported about that these things exist in varying other labs and more private labs, yeah. not in government ones, but um, uh, the website Snopes, yeah. which... You know, trust that as much as you want. But I thought it was interesting that if you typed in mosquito drones into Snopes, the answer it came up with was inconclusive, 
meaning that, you know, because the idea is, is that there's these drones that are the size of a mosquito that yeah. can record, that can have a camera behind you and everything. And that's, you know, that's a huge thing to understand right there is that, look, a camera can break all the encryption in the world because they're going to take a picture of what you're doing. Right. Uh, and so, you know, if, if mosquito drones are real, well, yeah, I mean, again, they could just send them after, you know, whoever. And then it doesn't matter if they're using signal or PGP encryption or something like that. I mean, you're, you know, you're done. Uh, so if you're being targeted, you know, really, I, I do think like that there's nothing that you can do. But if you're not being targeted, um, I think you can really make things expensive for them in the end. And also, I think what's happening is that a lot of these, again, a lot of these, uh, you know, intelligence agencies, uh, you know, even though that's an oxymoron, but a lot of these agencies, they're, they are starting to rely upon you using Facebook and Twitter and you communicating in the clear as much as you are to communicate with other people yeah. to, to surveil you. Okay. So because of that, I think if you do start, if you're not targeted by them and you do start using a lot of these encrypted technologies, I think it can get to the point where you, you more or less disappear into the cracks. Uh, you can really fall away from what's going on on a long enough timeline. Because like I said, they're getting lazy. I mean, and we know this. You know, you, you, you can see it in the Snowden leaks. You can see it uh, based upon some of the things that WikiLeaks, you know, says, depending on what, you know, what confidence you have in their information. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 don't think it's a, I don't think it's a total loss. I don't think it's, a, you know, a, a depressing thing or that it's write it all off. I think there's actually excellent uses for it and more so in the future. Um, in fact, there was a, the intercept, they leaked a, or they, they, uh, put out a video. This would have been, I guess, maybe about a year ago. Uh, that was a leaked Pentagon training video mm. that showed in 2020 or, or like it was 2020, 2024, something like that. Um, it's a very interesting video because what it shows is it's a government prediction of the future and how the military can handle the future. And it's, they're afraid. And right. the reason they're afraid is because they they specifically state that there are going to be multiple economies that are going to exist within cities. There's going to be hidden economies, uh -huh. uh, economies of, you know, interesting economies of scale. There's going to be encryption technologies that we can't break. Mm -hmm. I mean, they lay out a nightmare scenario for the government. Yeah, because they're so they must be so hard to to adjust and to move to this new technology and this stuff. I mean, they're like a lumbering, you know, like a lumbering ship that can't change course. I mean, I, I think. And I don't want to make this political, but I think Trump and, and him being in there is also realized, you know, the re he's realizing and other people are realizing that it's just, you know, it's, it's leaking billions of dollars and you can't keep up with technology. You can't keep up with all this stuff. It's just a, it's just a, you know, big white elephant. Yeah. I, yeah. I think there, I think there's truth to that. And I the think government that, that... too. I mean, the government can't keep up on it either. I don't. Right. I mean, and that's the thing is because, you know, when you have things like open source hard, uh, software and open source hardware, for that matter, um, I mean, people can develop things without any, you know, hands involved, you know, from from the government or uh -huh. anything else. And they can just make it themselves. I mean, Signal wasn't made by it really wasn't made by the government. I know some people want to make that claim. Um, you right, know, a lot right. of these technologies just were not and they're open source and you can check them out yourself if you want, uh, you know, to, to prove the point. And uh, yeah, I, I think they're I think they're scared to death of that, and I, I think there's a lot of evidence, you know, that, that that points at it. But that for the individual, for the everyday person, you know, that cares about their own personal freedom, that's an exciting prospect, you know, because that means that that they they can do things where they can keep the government out of their life, they can keep Big Brother out of their life, and whatever else. Yeah, and they can find new ways to connect and to and to socialize. I mean, that, and that might increase the Dunbar's number. Like, I wonder if the Dunbar's number was was um, 
you know, it was figured out before technology was really maybe had the potential to increase that. Like, you know, how, and, and what's our definition of a meaningful relationship? I mean, if we're in, you know, we were never able to contact that many people so easily before. True. Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's something I've wrestled with. Um, I, a part of me wonders, you know, for, for example, you know, you can look at what the tech giants are really experimenting with and they're doing a lot of real social experiments on their own. For example, Facebook, uh, you know, Facebook has multiple layers. They have groups, you know, there's private messaging and then there's, you know, the big wide open timeline and all that. Uh, it's interesting that so many people are running towards the groups feature in the past couple of years. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so with, you know, with that in mind, I, I'm starting to think that maybe, maybe technology can't so much beat the Dunbar's number. I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong about anything. Uh, but, um, but I think people are going to groups because they can't handle 5,000 connections. You know, I think it allows you to, technology will allow you to traverse, you know, uh, uh, geographic, uh, areas and, and, and geographic limitations, you know, distance limitations. But I, I wonder, I, I am still debating in my own mind whether or not it can really defeat the Dunbar's number. I was thinking more of like, uh, doubling it, not a, not a, like not making it like oh, 10 yeah. times, 10 times, but maybe it's like closer to 300 or 500 or something as opposed to 5,000, but you know, 150, just, <laughs> it, I don't know, 150, I don't always trust those sort of scientific studies of social, type stuff i don't know it seems i mean maybe it's uh well i definitely no, notice that sort of aching for community i mean look we started a little chat room that's kind of it turns into you know a couple hundred people in there making meaningful connections and and all sorts of great things happening yeah i i think so yeah based on how you explained it that it could kind of double it i could sort of see that just because it does make communication and relationships it can make them more convenient uh, it can do the opposite too but it can make them more convenient maybe to where you could fit in more meaningful relationships sure i could see that yeah huh. or it could flip the other way and just yeah serve us all the time and fucking chip us and so what do you see coming up for the new chat rooms and stuff like that? I heard you, I've heard you talk about quite a few, like we ended up on discord here for, uh, for Gramerica. I mean, we tried Google chats and that limited us to a hundred. So all of a sudden we couldn't get more than a hundred people in there. So right. then people were suggesting discord and we tried a couple other ones. Um, we went with discord in the end and it seems to be okay. But I mean, is there, is there, it sounds to, like from listening to your show a couple of times, it sounds like there's a whole bunch of these things popping up and there's a bit, bit of a, a bit of a, a struggle at the top for who's going to come out. Yeah. And I think that, that the winner isn't clear yet. I mean, not even, I don't even think Facebook is safe as it were, you know, to be like that in the next 10 years, there's going to even be a Facebook. Uh, you know, MySpace is a great example of that. I think, you know, 10, 10, 15 years ago, nobody would have imagined that my, MySpace would have gone away because it was just so popular. Right. Uh, but it can't, you know, but it can, and it, it, it's, it's dead now, you know, despite what Justin Timberlake may try. Uh, so one of the discord, I think is fine. I've used it myself. Um, there's another one called riot riot.im. Um, that is, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is important is to have encryption available, which discord doesn't exactly have that. Um, and for it to be completely open source, which I don't believe discord is completely Ah. open source. Uh, and so something like Riot is, granted, it's still some degree or some of its features, like it has video conferences and it has, you know, audio what calling and all that stuff. 
Uh, Mastodon is an interesting one. So Mastodon is based upon uh, that. That does meet the criteria where it's at least open source. It's not really meant to be encrypted, though you, you could bake it in. Uh, Mastodon is based upon what's called GNU Social. Uh, which is a very, which is, well, GNU itself is a very old open source, you know, privacy security uh, uh, concept, I guess I'll say. Hmm. Uh, and so Mastodon is an interesting one. I mean, the only thing is, is that, you know, th the question comes up a lot. Why do people use Facebook? And honestly, I think the reason, and I'm not the only person that says this, I think the reason people use Facebook is because it gives them the opportunity to stoop their neighbor. Okay. And I, what does like, like, stoop mean? Oh, I, you know, have sex, you know, with oh. their neighbor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, you lived on the kibbutz. You never, you never no, stoop. <laughs> so, anyway. I'm fucking uh, so, lost. Here. I was stooping the Danish ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. So anyway, um, but uh, yeah, so I, I really, I think that's the reason that they want to be there because anybody can use Facebook and that becomes the challenge. And it goes back to the point that I made that you're always going to be trading security and convenience. And you have, you know, of course, what's called the network effect, which means that, you know, as more people use something, more people will end up using something. Right. Uh, so I think with, with like Mastodon and some of these other ones, Discord somehow really like broke ground because I think because it was big with gamers and they're such a passionate uh, culture. Uh, right. subculture that you know you're kind of guaranteed to win if you if you get if you win with them um but yeah part of the problem is is getting your everyday person to be on there because that's sort of the ultimate payoff is that you know i think for a lot of people not everybody but i think for a lot of people it's because they might be able to get with a gal and you know mastodon i don't necessarily see that that sort of thing happening of course granted i don't see that happening so much with discord or riot or much of these other ones either <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. uh but that's why I think it's important to, I think what needs to happen is the concept of encryption, the concepts of open source, a lot of these things that help you guarantee that the technology that you're using is something that you can at least try and thwart, you know, Big Brother and whatever else with. Uh, I think it's important to make it sexy. Like if you've listened to my show a couple of times, I put in all kinds of sexiness as much as I can because I want these concepts to be seen as very, I, I think they are sexy personally, granted, you know, value is subjective a lot of times, but I think it's really important to make things cool, to make things sexy, and, and to sell them that way and prove that they are. You know, uh, I mean, in my opinion, there's nothing hotter than getting an encrypted text from a, from a woman. I mean, holy hell, like, please. You know, <laughs> that's, that's awesome, you know, I mean, because, you know, it's showing off so much. Uh, so I think that's a really important thing. And unfortunately, a lot of people, particularly even in like in libertarianism and anarchism, a lot of them are very conservative. And not that I have a problem with them. I mean, they can be conservative. That's fine. Because of that, they sort of miss kind of touching on maybe more of the primal urges of humanity to get them to understand why you want to use these technologies that are encrypted and open source and private and everything else. Yeah, I appreciate how you touch on that on your podcast, how you're not afraid to to go down into those waters. You know, it's uh, it seems like there's a bit of a fear now about, you know, talking talking about that because of who knows, you know, what, uh, you know, you're going to offend somebody or somebody's going to be you know, hurt or I don't know. It's just, I, I like how you can openly discuss that. You're allowed to offend people in Canada. Oh yeah. Especially in Canada. Oh yeah. You go yeah I know. I know. Jail, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Free speech is, um, yeah. I mean, certainly it's, it's an important thing. Um, I think some of the ways that, that a lot of people that are really activists for free speech, I think they're kind of selling really the opposite and they're using the term free speech, uh, you know, to, to kind of, kind of worm their way in, uh, on things. But 
Yeah, sure. It's it's a problem that today you you really have to be careful. I think there's ways to be, you know, to to, to like parlay that sexiness and all that and yet still be really respectful. Yeah. Uh, you know, to to whoever's, you know, whoever's out there. Um, but that takes time, you know, to to build that up. Um, it's not something and I mean and most people don't want to take time anymore because, you know, we're in the now economy, right? We're in the everything's now, everything's instantaneous. Uh, it really takes time for you to build up a reputation where, no, you know, people know you're not some kind of predator, crazy stalker, or just, you know, some weirdo. Uh, not that weirdo should be a pejorative. I think that should be, you know, like one of the highest praises you can be given. Um, but, it, yeah, I mean, I, but I agree. It, it, it can be a problem. Yeah. So what, speaking of gaming and stuff, what happened with them? Um... What happened with the VR market at all? What do you see going on there? Like my sister works for Cloudhead Games, which is a pretty cool um, VR game developer, independent. Sure. On Vancouver Island, and I mean, I you know I keep in touch with her a little bit, and and I feel like um, I feel like, and we were playing around with VR a couple of years ago, but I just feel like it's off to a slower than it was. Is it the economy, or is it is it off to a slow start? What what is your thoughts about it? Well, and I are, think and are you into it? Are you a fan? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, actually, this is like one of the rare uh, market categories where I get to fortunately be positive. I get to like say, oh, yeah, no, this is going to be great. I, like I am a huge fan of virtual reality, not just because, you know, I, I was a teenager in the 90s, which certainly was being, you know, sold off to us uh, big time, you know, in the in the 90s. Uh, but it was completely impractical at the time. Um I think what's happening with it, because, yeah, 2016 and a lot of people were predicting 2017 would be would be the big year of VR. What really happened is, is that everybody was pushing for virtual reality, but virtual reality is not the only application of this technology, because then there's also and, I'm, and you probably know this. I mean, because there's also augmented reality. Yeah. yeah. And right. Which, will, which brings on mixed reality and all that. And Pokemon bingo. didn't go very far, but Snapchat <laughs> is huge. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like the shittiest augmented reality ever. Like, I don't right. want Snapchat. Oh, I didn't know. Is, is that VR? Is that augmented reality? Oh boy, you would love it. You can make yourself look like a little kitty or mouse. Or oh, is that, oh, okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. The face swap is probably oh. going to get discontinued because it's probably racist or something. <laughs> oh, right. The well, that did happen, didn't it? With uh, <laughs> the the one, the yellow face, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I think it was like blackface. That's probably a bit much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so so you have augmented. You know, I think what happened was is that everybody was there was virtual reality technologies, you know, coming into fore, particularly like the Oculus Rift, which got very popular, and of course, got bought out by Facebook. Yeah. Um, even though it was originally an independent project uh, by John Carmack, who's you know big deal in the gaming industry, a yeah. uh, personal hero of mine, um, and. What happened is, is I think they realized, oh, wait a second. It's not, you know, it's not just going to be this one thing. It's not just going to be virtual reality. There's going to be augmented reality as well. And like the, the term you mentioned, it's going to become mixed reality, which is what everybody's running on. So I think the market had to shift to say that, okay, we can't just be virtual reality. We also have to be augmented reality. So we're going to do mixed reality. And I, I think that's why see, things seem to have slowed down. Because it's not just one thing anymore. I mean, they can still pay attention to virtual reality, certainly. But I think a lot of the larger companies, particularly Microsoft, is really going all in on this. Uh, it's it's very obvious that, in fact, they have a major event coming up 
um, end of October where I think people are going to finally, you know, I mean, they have HoloLens. You might have seen that uh, technology yeah, demoed yeah, yeah. Um, and some of these others. They have um, they've they've been doing the biggest push as far as actual virtual reality where they have uh, headsets at a very low price that can work on almost any any computer that's running Windows 10. Huh. Um, they're they're really pushing for this. And I think they see it as when it finally hits, you know, a lot of these technologies we have are very incremental in how they in how they they get released to you like every iteration of the iPhone is really an incremental inter iteration even though it starts you know putting in some new kind of technology whatever that happens to be um, I think what a lot of the tech giants took notice of was that when Amazon came out with the Amazon Echo um, that 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 leapfrogged entire generations of products to where you ended up with you know zero user interface where everything was just done by voice and I mean, even Google at their events have given credit saying, hey, Amazon created a new a new market category, which that's almost unheard of, uh, at least in the past decade within the tech world. Hmm. So I think companies like Microsoft and some of these others, they're really banking on the fact that they are going to maybe in the next year, maybe the year after that, they are going to leapfrog all of these technologies. And that's why they've backed off from their mobile division as well. They're going to leapfrog everything to where, you know, this mixed reality uh, is just it's how you're going to compute. You know, you're so, not. You're. Go ahead. No, no, I, I think it's good. So, so instead of putting all your all your eggs in the, the virtual reality basket and going with the goggles and everybody doing that, they they sort of had to step back and build the infrastructure for more of an all inclusive like mixed reality. Yeah, and and particularly Microsoft is the one that's open about it. Like they're the ones that don't have to keep secrets because they make money no matter what. Uh, and because you can see in their even in their latest editions uh, uh, of Windows 10, which they do major iterations and upgrades to the operating system uh, twice a year, all of the new apps, all the new software, even their hardware that they put out there, like their big Surface desktops and everything, are all based around this idea of working within mixed reality. Like it's all like Paint 3D or 3D Architect or something like that. Okay. They're, they're creating the infrastructure that will allow the everyday person to be creative in the mixed reality space. And I think they knew they needed to do that. That way, the market itself, you know, the mixed reality market didn't fizzle when it finally, when all the hardware finally came to fruition. So, so are you, are you kind of talking about, um, and I, and I, I, I kind of picked this up on the last time you talked about that and we should, we should talk about their future, uh, future decoded event coming up as well, uh, sure. which is interesting, but are you talking about then? So instead of me putting on like, let's say a set of goggles in a game, when I'm on my computer in the new Microsoft 10, Windows 10 or whatever, Let's say mm -hmm. I have these cheap cheap goggles that they give you so that your whole computer experience is, is in mixed reality. So like you're in the apps, like in your on your desktop. So instead of being looking at your desktop, you're in your desktop, that kind of thing. Exactly. That's exactly it. Is that you are like HoloLens particularly, which is something that people can look at. And there's plenty of demos to get the idea um, that as soon as you put that on, that's your computer. Oh, that, that's your entire computer. Yeah, see, yeah. that's that's I, I I never really got that until I listened to your episode. And then I thought, I wonder if that's what that's what you're talking about. Like you're actually then you're doing your you know, then you're in the Iron Man, <clears throat> um, you yeah. know, like flipping things around with your hand and. Exactly. Like could, and then, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, you can even create now in, in, in that mixed space as well. Like you could create, uh, oh, I, I mean, you could go all, all kinds of places for that, but that's really, really kind interesting. Of places. You could yeah, create I mean, games and, and, uh, virtual chats. 
Ooh, would, oh yeah, I mean, it's, like it's going to be. Would you write with your finger, or would you? Type? Yeah, you, or would you just think? Well, like, yeah, there you go. I mean, you could create the interface, like you could create a keyboard, you know, an augmented reality keyboard, just like you know, you could say, "Hey, Cortana, make me a keyboard," and and then you could type out. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that 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 could really go. But I think we're we're, and I know to some degree this sounds crazy to some people. Um, but, you know, I think we're looking at probably within the next 10 years, I mean, we're going to be living in a world of where, where dragons are flying around. Now, they're not real dragons, but just like this stuff, you know, there's just augmented reality everywhere. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean that's it, your it, desktop it, theme. You know, you go into your desktop and your theme is you want your dragons flying around and then you're going to be in your computer in yeah. that environment. See, I, mean, I yeah, picture it more like her. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, great movie. Has some problems, but great movie. Yeah. <laughs> or everyone's just fucking and you know where the iPhone addiction goes one step further and then everyone just cuts <laughs> off and they're just, you know, intimately involved with their phones. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fortunate thing is with that, you know, I mean, and this is a concern people had when Google Glass, when people thought that that was going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, and and Google Glass really couldn't because it wasn't about projecting a reality around you so much. Right. Um, it was just sort of displaying new information to you. And one of the things, and I talk about this on my show a lot, is that, look, you know, I know a lot of people think that these technologies are, it's like something out of a science fiction movie. Well, the reason that it doesn't go over well with consumers when it finally comes out, even if it is something that may have been literally out of a science fiction movie from the 1980s or something, uh, is because people don't really live exciting lives. You know, they're not doing epic stuff all the time to where it looked cool on Star Trek, but that's because on Star Trek, Starfleet's always doing something. Exactly. You know, it's always a life and death situation. <laughs> and so a, it makes sense. That's a really good point. You know, I'm going to go into my computer. Oh, what am I going to do in here? You know, go to Microsoft yeah. Word. I'm going to go to chat. <laughs> go to chat. Right. So, so even when you release these technologies, like the market doesn't buy it because it's like, well, wait a minute, I don't do anything like that though. Why can't it just give me a good bag of Doritos? And, uh, you know, the difference though, being with like, with mixed reality, the difference being with something like HoloLens and some of these, I mean, and obviously Microsoft isn't going to be the only one pushing for this. Uh, you know, Apple at their event on September 12th was already showing, you know, that off pretty hard as well. Um, the difference being is that you are going to be creating the reality around you that can be very exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. so that that's you 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 are going to be able to project a sci-fi world around you that will be really cool, and then you're going to want the technology because then your life isn't going to be so much bumpkus. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I think that's the that's the big difference in why it will uh, you know why it'll go huge. Make some friends, people. <laughs> you need at least well, even if it's C-SETI, at least get out with some real people at least once a week. Because I, well, I mean, I know, could see that as the next problem. Because I mean, I could see. In the next 50 years, conventional work going away, where everyone's kind of doing a sort of hobby or self, you know, self-employment sort of thing. I can kind of see it going that way. And so you're going to get to the point where people may literally never have to leave their houses and they're just going to never leave their houses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like that, like I, I almost never leave my house. It's terrible. Well, I mean, I try to, I try to be, you know, I have to be intentional about it, but, uh, cause you know, I work from home and there's so many remote jobs now. I mean, it's very easy to do. Right. Um, 
But I think there, you know, you, you see this with everything. There's always some kind of counterculture to whatever is the prevailing culture, just because there's people who, for whatever reason, I mean, I don't want to say it's genetic or anything like that, but whatever the reasons may be, or it's a confluence of reasons, uh, they just want to do what everybody else isn't doing. And so I think you're always going to have that group that's going to, like, people are like, oh, nobody's going to have babies anymore. Nobody's going to do, nobody's going to do this. No, that won't be true across the board. There's, there's going to be some kind of group that's like, Okay, no, I want to go back to the old ways, or I want to go back to you know, I want to do things you know this way and, and that way. I don't want any part of augmented reality and whatever. But so those augmented reality people are going to go extinct. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's evolution solving its own problem, right? I mean, <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> it's like speed, little quick evolution loop. It's just gone in twenty five years. I, I do think there's going to be more of a shift to the extremes like that, though. People are going to go back to the earth and do this, re, you know, rewilding kind of thing, or they're going to go down this path where they become more immersed in the mixed reality. You know, it's funny, Adam. Me and Adam were talking about something the other day, and he said, "Like, imagine the something your grandkids are going to have." I was like, "Buddy, I don't think my grandkids are going to have power. Part of me thinks they're not going to have power." <laughs> Or it'll be some sort of, you know, much more limited supply of it. Like, how you just see we're going to get hit by a fucking rock from space or something, you know? It's like our, our, our little collective knowledge of what we think is happening on our planet is so minute that... Well, a coronal mass ejection like the Carrington event could just fuck us up completely. Yeah, game yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can appreciate that. I mean, one of the things I'm not really pro is uh, transhumanism. I'm not a big fan part of that being the reason that, you know, uploading our, I mean, I don't even think you can upload a human's, if, if, you know, somebody uploaded my brain into a robot body or something, that's not me. I mean, that's not, you, you can't like it. I, I can't even imagine the science and I've yet to see anybody even like really explain it mathematically, how you could actually transpose my actual thoughts, you know, my memories, RNA and all that, you know, into like a robot body. Uh, that's just that, it's impossible. You you can make a copy. I could imagine that, but then it's a copy. It's not me. Uh, and yeah, and then as soon as there's some kind of EM pulse, all over, you know, for the I'm robot. I'm sure it would be missing something, you know, like they're finding genetic memory and organs, like especially the heart and things like this. So, I mean, you might, you might find yourself uh, in some sort of hellish fucking existence, you know, like who knows what would what's, like, what's it like to exist as a machine without a soul all of a sudden like how empty would you feel if there is some sort of biological attachment to your body you know other than the organs just keeping your brain alive sure yeah you know i in fact i think i've heard you guys talk about uh like the heart math institute and the yeah, work that yeah, they're yeah. doing yeah yeah i'm a big fan of, yeah. of the heart math institute i mean and they're kind of proving the point is that look you know Maybe there's, I mean, the first time I heard about the HeartMath Institute, I was like, oh, okay, because I'm, I'm a bit of an armchair historian myself. And, you know, it's interesting that, like, say the ancient Egyptians, how in their canopic jars, the heart was such an important thing for mm. them to preserve and the brain, not so much. And I remember, you know, the first time I saw a video from like the HeartMath Institute, uh, that's immediately what I thought. I was like, oh, maybe the ancient Egyptians had some kind of clue into something that we uh, just sort of forgot. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's something more to your organs that you have, to your muscle memory, to a lot of things that allow you, that make you who you are, even your ability to, again, express empathy, which I think is incredibly important, uh, even though I know it's a terrible buzzword, especially in the tech world right now. But it, regardless, um, yeah, I, I really am not, uh, I am not looking forward to any kind of robot body myself, bottom line. <laughs> what about a robot lover? 
Well, now that one. Okay. <laughs> so this is going to be huge. But so I'll ask you guys, what Jeez. do you think? That's what she said. This is what I get for being an ugly American, right? I end up talking like the orange guy, you know, <laughs> but uh, um, I think it's going to be a big deal. And, but I'll ask you, I mean, what do you think? Who do you say? I mean, sex robots are already becoming a thing. You know, what do you think will be the, uh, the, the biggest market for that? Like what, like singles, who do you, who do you think is going to be the biggest for, for, uh, you know, robot lovers? The fucking, uh, Chinese? It's, no, it's going to be Japanese men. Fuck. Well, there is definitely going to be a Chinese problem because there's like 50 million fucking dudes in China that can't find a mate. True. But there's also the people we we're just talking about that are going to be living their lives in a fucking augmented reality in love with someone they'll never meet. And, you know, then they'll just throw their face into the robot. Sure. Okay. So, so singles will be like that the next level somebody. of cyber, I think. Right. So, I mean, Darren, what because do you think? Because there's no like, way you're buying a sex robot and your wife ain't going to notice. Well, well, I'll get to that, but go ahead. <laughs> so what do you think then? Who do you think it's going to be? The gamers. The gamers? Yeah. Okay. I don't All think right, how these about you? gamers what do you are think? having very much sex. I think it's the Japanese culture. Okay. Whoa. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Japan no, because they're all like, they're all about the technolo technological know, stuff easy. and all these quirky little. But there's also like I say, that. fifty million Chinese dudes that have zero chance of finding him. Well, Chinese so girl. I think those are all fair points, and I think that those are going to be markets as well. Certainly, I mean, in Japan, um, I used to go there all the time. I mean, yeah, it, it's kind of been a thing, no matter how good the technology was. I mean, there's just this odd obsession with it, uh, but. I think that actually the biggest market for for sex uh, robots for you know robot lovers is going is actually going to be married couples uh, because this is going to be their chance to explore threesomes to do all of these things that society says is taboo but they really want to <laughs> try anonymously as well like they can do it exactly come for their own till that um, thing breaks a couple dicks off and then game over. <laughs> That could happen. <laughs> so how, don't get the. It's like the update. How you wait a couple weeks to update your phone? Don't get the first sex robot. Yeah, the dick break bug. That's no, going to be bad. The handy's always going to make you nervous. Just like, because <laughs> I mean, the 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 bits are probably just like a. You know, the early ones are probably just a pocket pussy into some sort of weird robot. Yeah, it's just a flashlight in there. But, yeah. You know, <laughs> They'll probably be able to limit the muscle power of that somehow. Well, I mean, soon they're gonna. They must be able to incorporate these lifelike dolls that they have now. I saw a couple of those on Instagram or something like that, and it was pretty insane the way they're making these look so real. So and I wonder, feel so real. So, so is that the next a sex level? Robot and makes it look just like Graham. Is that okay? Is that okay well, to you, Graham? I'm copyrighted. Are you? Can you be copyrighted? <laughs> Well, I guess that with 3D printing, you could probably print whoever you want now on this lifelike uh, structure. Yeah, like at what point do you just come home and you you look over and your buddy's printed out your wife and you're like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> well, that's going to get into some weird areas. I mean, when and that's going to happen. Like, in fact, that that's an answer that nobody's really touching is that... Well, there's nothing really to stop you from making a sex robot look like some kind of celebrity, but then you're going to be posting on Instagram, hey, I'm in bed with, you know, Anne Hathaway or something, right? <laughs> and <laughs> then Anne Hathaway is like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. You're like, it's okay. And then it's you're going to be you. suing it's just people. fake, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so that that's that's a real, you know, that's a real issue. I mean, at the, you know, 
looking further into the future, I think it's going to end up really sex robots might not even really be a thing. It's all just going to be done again. What we were talking about, it will be done in mixed reality. Yeah. Uh, which just, just makes sense. And then you have, dink. or you won't even that? need that. We have to like, have, we have an attachment. Yeah. Like Darren's trying to figure out how the physical belt. part of it happens. Like the VR, the mixed reality part is in your head, but what are you doing with your body? Especially if you're with your wife trying to practice a threesome or something like that. Well, you and your wife will both be connected via your router at home. And then, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, really, like what would end up happening, either you're going to have some kind of suit, which I think that would be impractical. In that case, people are just going to buy sex robots. Probably, and I'm not saying that I like this. I, I actually don't. Uh, probably what they'll do is, you know, you're effectively going to like do some kind of neural link to your brain and your brain's just going to tell you that you're feeling that's, it. Yeah, that's what I was oh, thinking. Wow. That, that's getting yeah, That's, that's going to happen quick enough that it'll It's going to be like that the... movie Existence where they plug a... You're going to have to get a socket put in, and then you have to plug that <laughs> motherfucker in. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, with Kyle MacLachlan, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And it's going to be fucking... Yeah, know, well, At least you the know... start is going to be like, that's the thing, is I think our lifetime, you're looking at like the... You know, the Wild West of fucking implanting things into your brain. And, you know, I'd give that a couple of years. I think, you know, you might miss out on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's happening. And honestly, I think a lot of a lot of the tech world itself um, is really I think they're using the fear mongering of artificial intelligence to kind of get people into that idea that we need to do what's instead of uh, uh, AI, you need to do what's called IA, which is intelligence augmentation, ah. meaning that. That you connect, um, that you, that you upgrade the human body, you know, be it with like adding a hard drive to a brain or something like that, and and like Elon Musk is really big on this, uh, and I'm not a fan of Elon Musk, but uh, you know, Elon Musk is is saying, yeah, we need to look into IA because you know we have to improve humans to be able to combat what is he considers to be the inevitable artificial intelligence or which yeah. you can't yeah, be an anarchist or a libertarian and like Elon Musk too much, I don't think. You know, it's funny in a lot of my circles, they love him. And I, I get so livid about that because this guy lives off of like every government program, every government tax dollar in the world. It's He's ridiculous. like a subsidy superstar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well said. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so this intelligence augmentation is something that's coming. Now, I'm not necessarily against that idea, but it needs to be something that you can remove. It shouldn't be something that's permanently there. Uh, there's a guy, his name's Brian Johnson, and I don't mean the ACDC singer, uh, but Brian Johnson, who he actually, he create he was not a co-founder of PayPal. I think he created Braintree, which ended up getting bought up into PayPal. Um, and he has a, a program called Kernel or a, a development house, I guess I should say, called Kernel which is all about doing intelligence augmentation. But one of his, you know, core precepts is that it has to be removable. It cannot be something that gets permanently attached to the body. Uh, and when I hear that, I feel a little bit better about it, but yeah, still a little skeeved, still a little worried. We're going to be like Kyle McLaughlin and in exit and, and you know, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Like I say, wait, wait, just wait people. we we'll give it a couple of the, couple of generations before you dive in would be my advice like these people chipping themselves already it's like whoa yeah i'd give that a bit you you know there's going to be some you know you already chipped if you've had vaccines so cancer you're already you're already in there Ooh, there it is yeah, yeah. so so here this is the way i see it going down my the next level okay then the next level of the sex robots will be I mean, we're not far away from this. Back so you, to the so, sex robots. Well, I just want to clarify <laughs> what, what can what can happen in the near future here. So you've got this lifelike doll, let's say, 
and she's connected to your VR. So if you you know you you put on your goggles with somebody or whatever, and then you have the physical lifelike thing there as well, but it's all really connected to the VR. Yeah, I could sure and like and then you could kind of create a like a different like you could be hanging out in the bahamas or something with this robot then right i mean is that kind of what yeah, you're, you're saying? in a different world but there's a physical yeah. thing there that's connected to this so when you're looking at it or touching it it's it's there in your physical touch but it's also in your in yeah your it's world. doing a lot more yeah, yeah. yeah i could see that yep I, I think that some kind of amalgamation like that could could certainly be uh possible but you know again i'll just reiterate i really think that that sex robots and all of that technology is, is going to be like the biggest market for it will be uh, married couples, I think, because, you know, there's just so much stigma around them. But then at the same time, if you ever talk to them, they're always joking about, well, not, not, not everybody, but they're always joking about threesomes. They're always joking about the, you know, getting a hooker or something like that. And now they get to play out all those fantasies. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I, I could, I could see that. I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't think we're quite there yet. It's just going to be a glitchy sex robot. It's like, hello, um, <laughs> You know, well, like, it was it's his... like whenever I think AI is close, I try and use my Siri, and it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Siri is terrible. <laughs> Siri is so bad. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, I don't think artificial intelligence, like that kind of level of stuff, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I mean, they've been promising, or what I should call, I guess, AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, which is more something like you'd imagine Skynet being, um, you know, where it has something remotely like consciousness. I mean, that's been getting promised since the 50s, and it's just, it's never happened. In fact, there's there's a great quote in the robotics field that is, uh, you never realize how intelligent a moron is until you try to program a robot. <laughs> and yeah, like how weird would it be to be like fucking a robot that's just you know it's a robot and it's got like the intelligence of a fucking ten year old or something like it's just uh, yeah. But, yeah but but you can't you argue can't <laughs> you argue that sex robots for you sorry Brian no but can't you argue <laughs> that that when quantum computing happens that that'll enable that like maybe we're just processing power away from that uh, you know that, you know them knowing like a Google that can just pick up absolutely everything and then. You know, he's got so much processing power and so much information and so much data that that it can be considered, you know, AI and, and pass that test. I, well, I'm okay. So I'm open to that. It could it could reach something like consciousness or what I, I like to use the term sapience. Um, and really, that moment comes when, you know, a. Uh, uh, a soft software or a robot or something does something that it was never programmed to do. Then we need to start asking questions saying, all right, wait a minute. What exactly is that? Is that life over there? Um, and not just something that we programmed. Um, I'm open to doing that. What I'm not open to is like this idea that it becomes something superior to, to human intelligence. I mean, another quote that I love to banty around, which kind of plays off of that, that, you know, old engineering joke is that uh, artificial intelligence is no match for natural stupidity. Uh, and you know, I, I really like, I think to, to, I guess as an analogy, um, artificial intelligence works like it works like a single core processor. Okay. Now we don't use single core processors anymore, you know, in our computers, but anyway, this used to be like the high end stuff. And with a single core processor, you can get it to go really, really fast. And it can, you know, it can handle like one task really, really well. Well, I think the human brain actually works more like a multi-core processor where it can handle a lot of different things in parallel. And I think that's the, I, I think that ability to do more and not necessarily faster, you know, it's kind of the tortoise and the hare is, um, is a, a far more powerful and, uh, and will always be kind of the superior intelligence as it were. 
So, yeah, I could see that robots could get to a point where they have something like consciousness and maybe where they deserve liberties of some kind. Yeah. But I don't ever think Fuck that we're going to have an AGI where, you know, it's better than us. Yeah, that shit I, ain't happening. Because you know what else? These are, robots are going to work so that we can have some fucking liberty. <laughs> Didn't you read Dune? Robot slaves. Do robot slaves. Well, let's not make them smart enough that they have any of that shit. They're just smart enough to, you know, <laughs> deliver the mail or fucking, you know, they're That's highly, a, highly specialized. And they can go home. Just and... put them in the public school system. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Bing. <laughs> so, the other the other factor comparing AI to human intelligence is is the uh, how do I explain this? Then I, I don't I don't want to make it too simple, but you know the the access to higher consciousness or akashic records. I mean, whatever you believe as far as like. You know, I'm not talking about religion or anything like that, but there is evidence mm -hmm. that uh, through, you know, OBEs and NDEs and all this kind of stuff that there's something else going on there. And right? I don't know what it is, but, you know, we do have access to something else sometimes. So that's that's another factor. And that, each other. That's the other accent, you know, the X factor. Yeah, I, like I, I get the concepts of the Akashic Record or, or even like... Uh, there's some terms like parallel tonality where the idea is, is that the human brain is actually, it's not like a hard drive. It's more like a, a wireless receiver. Like it receives, it doesn't actually store, um, yeah. or, you know, information. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm myself, I'm, I'm open to like some of those notions. I'm skeptical yeah. of it overall. I mean, yeah. I, I think, I think really we have a bubble universe under our skull and, you know, no one else can, can see it. Uh, and I'm, you know, always glad for that because boy, if some people knew the things I was thinking at certain times, I'd <laughs> it'd be, it'd be pretty troubling, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and could an AI get to a point where maybe it access something like that? <sighs> That, I mean that there's there's a there's well, a lot. I, I don't think it can. I mean, I don't think it can. That's the advantage. Oh, we, I see that's what you're what, saying. You're, that's the advantage. Yeah. We that's the ultimate advantage that we have over anything artificial is we have a a, a natural organic connection to um, the one fe the field. I mean, and and I I do think there's going to be evidence in the near future that will that will just shatter our scientific paradigm that says yes we are connected through you know, unseen ether or something like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, certainly like evolution has programmed us in ways that, in, in my opinion, anyway, in ways that, uh, you know, we, we don't even fully understand. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and that we're just learning about even things like smell, you know, just in the past couple of years now, you know, there's been research that's shown that actually smell the smells that no matter how much you wash, whatever, it's just like your natural odors have a lot to do with attraction. You know, I mean, and people say, well, of course, we've always known that. No, no, no. We're talking about like like where if you smell the wrong way, you know, and, and it's almost an imperceptible smell that, you know, someone's just just they're never going to get with you, you know. And, and so there, there's literal chemistry between us in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff is, is there. And, yeah, I don't think humans are that great of programmers. And you only need to try using I mean, we've been lucky enough using Skype here, uh, but you only need to use Skype on, you know, on the one wrong day to, to realize just how you know bad humans are at setting things up. So, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of things that a lot of attachments that we have to the, you know, to our, our uh, the, the physical, ecology physical around nature. Us. Yeah, yeah. 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 Around us that that I think will I agree with you there that it, it will always you know, stand up against, uh, you know, any, any AI or any program thing that we come up with. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be, Skype doesn't even have to good. be supernatural or anything crazy. It just has to be, eventually it will be, 
it will be some sort of physics or it'll it'll just show that something like Rupert Sheldrake's morphic resonance or, you know, morphic mm. field, uh, you know, that, that the way we do evolve and, and stuff happens, it, it's not directly, you know, it's not directly physically related. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens along with this, sure. along with AI and mixed reality. I mean, it's all happening. It all feels like it's happening pretty quick. Here. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a wild couple of decades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting into Bitcoin for a bit here. There's going to be a bunch of people that would be super upset if we don't at least okay, touch yeah, on yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, sure, sure should, let's do it. We wow. should jump into that. Like, I mean, we're both pretty Bitcoin stupid. So, I mean, <laughs> I could do with like just like a rundown from the top. We have some Bitcoins, not full Bitcoins. We've lost more Bitcoins than we have. Yes, we have lost Bitcoin. The people they went they went to the wrong person. They wouldn't give them. I back. was giving out the wrong Bitcoin address for a while. I was giving out the the Bitcoin address of someone I had bought something off of, and, oh, and then man. when I emailed Somebody's... them, they were like, "Nope, didn't happen." So I, then, I, then I sent them some screenshots of the transactions, and then, you never and heard then I never heard from them again. Yeah, so much yeah. for so much for anarchism. Jeez, but I think we <laughs> that's have, that like, caveat mTOR. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think we we have like I always get pretty nervous. So whenever we get some bitcoins, I like turn them into the PayPal pretty quick because it's so volatile. Like the one time, oh, we just had... leave it in there, man. That's yeah. it. Yeah, we're in no rush to. Yeah, sometimes it's like <laughs> it went down to two hundred dollars for a while, and it's like, oh man. Just ride it out. Yeah, could do that. Absolutely. <laughs> it makes me nervous, though, that it's just going to be like, boo, gone. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, so, I mean, real, would you like I me to kind of describe Bitcoin a bit? Or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't seem real to me still on a bunch of yeah, different Yeah, sure. Levels. Yeah, so, okay. I, I mean, the the simplest way to to explain what Bitcoin is, we can start with that, and it can be explained pretty in pretty short order. Um, imagine the, uh, well, it could be the Canadian dollar or the U.S. dollar. Imagine the dollar and then imagine PayPal, which PayPal is effectively a transmitter, an electronic transmitter for the dollar. Okay. Now, imagine that PayPal and the dollar were actually one technology, and that's Bitcoin. It's the transmitter and the store of value. You know, it's the transmitter and the dollar at the same time. I think that's the, the easiest way to explain what cryptocurrencies or, you know, in this case, Bitcoin um, is, is that, you know, it's the store of value as well as what transmits the value at the same time. And that's what gives it its actual value is, well, I mean, at, well, okay, as far as its present value at $5,000 or whatever, a lot of that has to do with infrastructure and speculation. Okay. But in the beginning, you know, and when Bitcoin first kind of started out back in, you know, 2009 and, you know, maybe a little before, um, its value came from the fact that it had its own transmission system that it could it could cross borders, uh, especially at the time without fees, you know, or without crazy fees anyway, compared to say Western Union or something like that. Uh, I mean, that's that's really where its intrinsic value, which is what a lot of people look for. That's that's where that comes from. So the easiest way to understand crypto cryptocurrencies is that it's it's PayPal and the dollar in one one technology. And it's not, but it's something, isn't it? Like it's something. It's. It's not something physical, but it is a bits of actual data, isn't it? Like, what's mining? What are you mining? Yeah. Okay. So, oof. <laughs> uh, the mining part. Yeah, that's one of the ones that that you know un understand. A lot of cryptocurrencies have even gotten away from that 
uh, you know, after a fashion where they they, oh, okay. they don't even really get involved in the mining process so much. Um, what mining is, so Bitcoin exists as a data set. It exists as, you know, however many megabytes or now it's, you know, hundreds of gigabytes, whatever, uh, of data that more than one person or even just one person can really have it, but that people store on their computers, whatever those computers may be. Okay, so that's that's where Bitcoin sits. That's why it's called the decentralized technology because it it exists on, you know, it doesn't have a central server, right? It doesn't have like, you know, Google servers uh, to rely upon. Um, and so it's resilient because of that. But, it, you know, anybody that, you know, anybody that has like the Bitcoin client and not just the wallet, those are two very separate things, but anybody that just has that Bitcoin wallet or that Bitcoin client, I'm sorry, uh, and has the entire what's called the blockchain, which is that data set that stores all of the, all of those that that money transmission that I described, you know, that it's a public ledger of everything, you know, all the transactions that have happened with this money. Um, anybody that has that has a copy effectively of all the Bitcoin out there. OK, and mining, the mining process is really what it is. It's about securing the the actual that network. OK, when more than one person has the Bitcoin client, they have the blockchain installed on their computer. Mining is just a fancy way of creating a reward system for securing and constantly verifying the data being transacted between anybody that has a Bitcoin client or the Bitcoin wallet. Uh, so calling it mining is kind of a misnomer. It's only called that because there's a reward. Really, it should kind of be called securing because that's that's what it's doing is it's proving that a transaction actually happened. It's uh, So they're you know, taking the fees. Yeah, and, and right, and they collect fees for that. There's rewards for securing the network, which makes sense. You want to incentivize, you know, the fact that you're you're doing a whole lot of processing as far as you're processing an entire economy, which, you know, the Bitcoin uh, system, ecosystem is an economy. So then the uh, actual so, Bitcoin value is all just then what's bought in with dollars, actual physical dollars. Like, you can't get uh, Bitcoin for now. Well, I guess you can if you become, say the middleman or the verifier or whatever, you could collect those fees all day and make sort of money out of nothing. But really, you're not making money out of nothing. Well, I mean, all money comes out of nothing, right? I mean, you know, the like the U.S. dollar is an agreement yeah, that yeah, that, yeah, that piece yeah. of paper means something. Um, and so, yeah. right. And so Bitcoin, same deal. Like, did it, is it magic internet money? Did it come out of nowhere? Yeah, more or less. But then it came out of nowhere and people agreed that it had value. You know, years ago, someone decided 10,000 of these things is worth a pizza. And, you know, that really happened. Uh, and, you know, things like when that starts to happen, when there's actual transactions happening, to some degree, when dollars get bought in, which you have, you know, in the vesting terms, you have what are called whales, you know, people that'll buy into something and they'll buy a lot of it. When that comes in, sure, that raises the value of it. But regardless, like what, what any value that it has, and it has to start with something, it has to start with some kind of, you know, exchange value, merely comes from people finding utility in it. Um, you know, it's not like it, it's not like the U.S. dollar where, you know, it's backed by nuclear weapons. Um, you know, it has to people have to agree with Bitcoin that no, just OK. Yeah, well, I like Bitcoin because it's not from the government or because um, it's easy to transact and secure or something like that. So that's where the value in it comes from me. So I will give you a car for that Bitcoin. Um, so, yeah, all that. I mean, and that's the part that people don't. I think when they first look at Bitcoin, the part they don't want to accept is that they find out that like all money is an illusion. You know that that it and and because that that really kind of unravels your your reality in a way when you start to realize that wait a minute all money is just an agreement between two parties that that means something. Hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, Bitcoin kind of came out of nowhere, but there were people who, you know, be it hackers, whatever else that that agreed. Yeah, okay, no, I'll give you something for that. Have you have you heard about um I met this guy at the Red Pill Expo and he, and he was talking about uh he's he's got a gold vault, I guess. Um and he's connecting it with cryptocurrency somehow. The Anthem Vault. Have you ever heard about anything like that? Like actually physically getting some gold backing for crypto, or is that possible? Sure. So uh, this comes, you know, again to somebody deciding that. Well, I accept Bitcoin. You know, uh, you know, I'll give you gold for your Bitcoin, right? I mean, so that that agreement is made. Well, um, I don't. I don't know if it's Bitcoin though. It might be its own. Uh, yeah, I, I know of Anthem Vault. I think they may be using like like their yeah, because there's a lot, you know, it's not just Bitcoin anymore. Now right, there's tons right. of yeah, cryptocurrencies. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. there's like there's Zcash, which is a really anonymous and uh private, uh private based one. I, I think that's really interesting. There's um there, there's a whole slew of these out there. Okay. Which one should we buy is this, into? Is this how is this getting out of control for the for the government and the and the corporations right now? I feel like it's like sliding sliding past. And can somehow. they kill it? Can they just like pew? A Bitcoin well, destructing virus or something like that. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that they, they, I mean, and that's one of the beauties and one of the reasons that people find value in all of this is that, um, that you can't kill it. Like, because again, it's not, there's no, like, you'd have to point, you know, you'd have to point the guns of the state or the virus of the corporation or whatever. You'd have to point it at every computer that has the Bitcoin client. And there's a lot of them, you know, and, and they can just keep making copies because as long as one person has a copy of the blockchain, mm. it's it, it, you know, Bitcoin will continue to exist. Um, so go ahead. Do you think there's any conspiracy over over how Bitcoin was created and whether it was like an intelligence agency like CIA or something that, um, you know, sometimes I go through these periods where I think, oh, it's got to be a setup from the beginning, but maybe not. You know, maybe after talking to you, I, f I feel like there's more open source going on than I realize sometimes. Sure. True, true, um, true, true open source without the, you know, influence of, you know, 5,000 uh, CIA tech bots or, you know, trolls out there or whatever. Right. Uh, I mean, I think so. Some people have laid out theories that Bitcoin is some kind of like it's a government creation to get us to a cashless society yeah. where everything is out in the public and you yeah, can keep yeah. an eye on it. Yeah. Um, I, I get those arguments and I can understand them. And even if that were true, the tech, the block, the idea of blockchains, the peer to peer uh, decentralized technology where it's not being stored on central servers, that itself is not inherently a controlling concept or, you know, like an anti-individual uh, uh, technology. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Right, it really right. empowers the individual. Yeah. So regardless of how Bitcoin was created, I mean, and nobody knows, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto, it could be a he, could be a her, uh, quite frankly, it could be an it, you know, we, we don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it could be a bunch of people. Um, so whoever created it, yeah, we don't know. Um, and, and I, I appreciate and understand where people are coming from when they're concerned about that. And I yeah. really do appreciate that skepticism, but yeah, the yeah. technology itself is still totally, totally valid as far as its application. And, uh, like I mentioned the one Zcash and there's some others that are based on the same technology like Zencash and some others. Uh, it's based on this really what's a breakthrough in cryptography called zero knowledge proofs. It's very exciting stuff because you don't get too many breakthroughs in cryptography every huh. day. Uh, and that is like an anonymous, uh, you know, where, where things can be anonymous, where like you don't, it's not a public ledger. You don't really know what happened. The only people that know are the two Ooh, parties that transacted. Can, I mean, sure, right. Can we so, make our own? 
What, what was that called again? Can we make a Grimera coin? <laughs> you could. <laughs> yeah, well, you could. I can't personally. Is that like, how hard is that to do? Can I just like say it? That's a thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, you could, you could make a complete copy of Bitcoin and like of, of the software and just rename everything in it. Like you could just get into the code and just name it Grimera, or, you know, Grimera coin or whatever. And, and yeah, then you would have Grimera coin. I mean, that that's the beauty of open source technology is that you can, you know, copy it and you can know what's in it and you can get into it yourself, which gives you kind of personal security if you know what you're looking at. It could be backed I by Unobtainium. I can't fucking do any of those things you just said. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, maybe I, I know you have smart listeners, so yeah, maybe one of them wants to <laughs> jump on that. We do definitely have some <laughs> listeners that might be able to do something like that. So yeah, maybe yeah. we should have a little Grimera coin. But you're not donating Grimera coins because I don't think those <laughs> things are ever going to be worth shit. <laughs> so is there? So this is this is inspiring though. It is. It does seem yeah, to be going yeah, somewhere. Absolutely. And is there? Is there somewhere where you would put your focus on? Like, would it be Bitcoin or some of these other Zen Cash things, or what would you do? Um, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is, is certainly the king right now. And Bitcoin is really like it's settled in on a role. Uh, the role being as in R-O-L-E, uh, the role has in being it's digital gold now, you know, and I mean, yeah, I mean, there's companies where you could even use it to buy physical gold if you wanted, you know, like uh, Roberts and Roberts Brokerage or some other ones out there that will accept Bitcoin. Wow. In fact, they want Bitcoin. Wow. Um, yeah. So. You know, but but Bitcoin itself has taken on the role of digital gold. Now you can have other currencies that can do other things, um, and there are plenty of them out there. I'm very cautious with a lot of these because some of them could just be straight up scams. You know, uh, I, I mean, like you know, Grimera it could be just <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I mean, it could just be two guys in Canada that just you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, so, yeah, I'm very particular in which ones that I get excited about. Um, and usually they what for me to get excited about them, they have to have some kind of technology that either makes them better than Bitcoin, something like when I mentioned Zcash, um, you know, or it needs to be something where it can be a nice test ground for what happens with Bitcoin. Like there's another one called Litecoin and that's L-I-T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, that one's kind of known because it's been around for a while. You know, in fact, it used to be called uh, the silver to Bitcoin's gold. Um, so, you know, there's there's that one uh, that's that's interesting. Uh, there's like there's Monero. There, there's a few others out there that that do some interesting things. Really, I think the only thing that can unseat Bitcoin and that would be more interesting than Bitcoin is something that is more private uh, and secure than Bitcoin. That's the only thing that could be greater than Bitcoin. Uh, and that's where like these technologies like zero knowledge proofs and some of these other ones uh, become very fascinating to me. Yeah. So those are the directions that I look in. But then, you know, another thing, the other danger is that you have like there's this thing called Ethereum. OK, Yeah, I was going to ask you uh, about that. Right. So Ethereum is what I like. So, all right. What I like about Bitcoin, Litecoin, Zcash, Zencash, you know, those kinds of things. What I like about those is that they're very purpose built in many ways. Like they, they have, they're, they're designed to do something and they have limited design to some degree. And that limited uh, is a feature, you know, being limited is a feature, not a bug. Okay. Uh, because that, that, that means it's meant to do what it's meant to do. Now you have Ethereum where the idea is, is that, okay, it's a blockchain, but you need, it's supposed to enable you to do anything on top of it. I consider that by its very nature to be not secure. Mm. Okay. Uh, and all you need to do for examples, for analogies, not that proof by analogy is proof, but for, for analogies is look at like operating systems and how many times, you know, when, when you hear from WikiLeaks with vault seven leaks or something, you know, it's always the operating systems that are always cracking because they're general purpose and they have to do so much. So it's so easy to find some kind of, you know, crack in the armor. Huh. Okay. And so I think when you start building 
you know, when, when, you, when you start building things like Ethereum where it's meant to do everything, you run into a lot of problems. Right. And also, I think there's a lot of things, a lot of parts of human interaction that don't need to be on a blockchain, you know, that don't need to take advantage of this technology. Right, right. There, there's times where, you know, it's totally valid to have a central server. It's totally valid to do all this stuff. So I'm not a fan of Ethereum. If you're going to ask that, I'm, I'm actually quite against it. Huh. Uh, because, again, because of that, that you know, wide general utility of it, I think, is really a problem. I think when Satoshi made whoever and whatever Satoshi was, when he made Bit when they made Bitcoin, it was purpose built. And that purpose built was for the purposes of security. Like that was on purpose that they didn't make it, uh, you know, more programmable and, yeah, and yeah. have wider application. Huh. That's interesting. That's good to know. So I also met this guy at the at the expo who had created an app. He's a Bitcoin enthusiast. And he had created an app to help merchants get on it, right? So he would, let's get say he would, it. yeah, he would go, he would go to buy something <laughs> and he would donate, Sunridge. he would, he would go to a merchant and I believe he wouldn't even buy anything, but he would donate Bitcoins to them. Okay. So that, so that then somebody could come and use that as a transaction. And, and I, and it took me a while to wrap my head around it, but it was a pretty cool idea. Cause I think it was based on like, you know, he, he was just donating them to merchants as he went along um, just to try and build that uh, community of users. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's certainly been something in the Bitcoin community and in others, but mainly in the Bitcoin community where uh, that's what exactly what they've done is they'll ask, you know, they'll go to some business, somebody, you know, a Bitcoin user or whatever, will go there and say, hey, will you accept Bitcoin? I'll buy this off of you, you know, and sometimes it'll be something substantial. Yeah. And that person will also, I mean, it, it sounds almost like, you know, like a come to Jesus moment, some kind of Christian, you know, <laughs> like proselytizing or something. But uh, but yeah, and they'll try to get people on board with uh, with taking Bitcoin. And that's been pretty successful. Uh, I mean, in New Hampshire alone, New Hampshire is probably next to maybe California or like Sweden. It might be the state with or the geographic area with like the most Bitcoin accepting businesses in the world. Though huh. Berlin's pretty big up there, too. I should mention that. Yeah, uh, but yeah. anyway, for a long time, New Hampshire was a really hot spot for it. And uh, and that all came from people, you know, cons just customers who were excited about Bitcoin, telling their, you know, the businesses that they frequent, be it a barbershop or whatever, saying, hey, would you accept Bitcoin? And then they hook them up. Uh, and it's gotten, you know, the technology really has gotten to the point where it is so e it is very easy to use. Right. Uh, there's concerns around that. But because like I like I said earlier, you always have that trade off between security and convenience. But, you know, it's it's better than using government money, in my opinion. Yeah, so I just exactly. I let it ride. Yeah. Right on. So, hey, before we wrap it up there, what it, what it tell us just uh, how people can listen to your podcast and what it's about and stuff like that and uh, how to get a hold of you. Sure, absolutely. So uh, the best place to go is, well, actually, the best place to go is my main website, which is zog.email, which is stands for Zomia Offline Games. Z-O-G uh, in Canada. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Z-O-G. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so dot uh, email. And that, you can find everything. I have a book uh, called Dark Android, uh, the 2017 edition, which is the no-nonsense guide to securing your smartphone and reclaiming oh, your nice. privacy. Yep. Uh, you can get You can get that. Uh, and I have a, a newsletter there where you can find out about everything that I do when you sign up for that. And it's not any kind of spammy nonsense. It's really something I, I spend a lot of time on. Uh, you can find my podcast there as well. Um, or if you want to go to SovereignTech.com, and it's just like my last name, S-O-V-R-Y-N uh, Tech.com. And you can find my podcast there. Uh, and yeah, I've been doing this for about six years. So, nice. are you just on SoundCloud <laughs> that's still? A, that's a perfect name for for what he does. Sovereign, like, yeah. it's like sovereignty. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it got to do a nice pun on words there, but yeah. uh, or play on words. 
But um, I am on SoundCloud, but if you type any podcast app you have, you type in oh, Cybertech, yeah, okay, it's okay. going to show. Okay, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think SoundCloud is on the way out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. So, but so if you, you want to... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, you know, if you want to find, if you want to find everything, just go to zog.email. That's where like, that's my central hub of everything I do because I wear a lot of hats. So. Right on. And those links will be in the show notes as Always well. in the show notes. People yeah. just don't check the show notes. I was like, what's the song? I think I heard that from Brian actually. Oh, yeah, in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, in my last episode that yeah, I did yeah. from a hotel room. That was a great uh, episode so, actually. Yeah. That was good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, it didn't have my usual level of production, uh, but uh, yeah, from a hotel room. And yeah, I complained about that. that I was like, boy, does anybody check the show notes? I can see who's clicking through, or, you know, I, I can see how many click-throughs I get, and nobody ever checks show notes. No. But if you don't put them there, they're like, well, how do I know you know what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. And, well, which is it, man? I don't even tell Graham you can check <laughs> those no, things. No, I don't want to know. Because <laughs> he puts a lot know. of work into them. <laughs> no, I don't want to know. Right on. Brian, well, thanks, man. Keep in touch, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. And sorry we got to run here. We just got another Maybe we follow each other on Twitter now, so we're yeah, good. Twitter friends. Right on. Yeah, no worries. Always a great honor to, to have you on. i got to get you guys on to my show, actually. Oh, that'd be fun, yeah, for sure. Excellent. All right, Brian. All thanks right, a Brian. lot. Thanks. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. That was a chat with uh, Brian Sovereign. From that, was, Sovereign Tech. that was great. Yeah, I like it. I like Brian. It's good. I need, I need, like, the tech and the anarchy part of it. That's right. Yeah. Burn this motherfucker down. Yeah. That was, it was really, uh, it was really interesting. Perfect. Well, you guys can, as always, you can donate Bitcoins. There's a, there's a wallet address on the thing. You know, like, I should have asked them what happens, like, my computer's on the way out. Can we, tra- can we transfer it to, it'd be good to get it onto this computer somehow. This computer seems pretty solid. What do you mean by or can that? You have it because I think you can't have it like it's not on a cloud. It's got to be on a physical device. Huh? I don't know. Oh, you think so? I think. No, 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 no. I don't think. Yeah. You must be able to get it over there. One of our listeners knows that shit. They yeah. can let us know. Yeah. We need a rundown. We really yeah. are just Bitcoin, Bitcoin yeah. illiterate. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's pathetic. Yeah. Um. So yeah, check out the support page. That's where the link is for that. Uh, of course, check out, there's a bunch of different ways you can support the show there as well. You can support the show, sign up for a monthly through PayPal. Um, you can, uh, I think that's it really. Or you can do a one-time donation. Of course, if you can't afford to sh- support the show monetarily, that's fine too. Just uh, you spam gram. And you can send us in your synchros and shit because that gives us some content. So that helps us out. People love that stuff. That's always good. You can review this motherfucker. We don't have a lot of reviews compared to our listeners, so that kind of sucks. And you know what? Downloads are down, so we need to get them the fuck up. And the only way to do that is for you guys to tell your friends about the show. So tell people about the show, please. If you don't do anything else, tell people about the show. Spread the show. Spread it on Facebook. Spread it on Twitter. Spread it wherever the fuck you want. Just spread the love. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Once upon a time, you were tiny. Then you grew big and your bald spot got shiny. Your brain be changing, you got a pocket full of change, and now you're picking out the colors for your floral arrangement.
arrangement, your brain be changing. You got a pocket full of change, and now you're picking out the colors for your floral arrangement. Once upon a time, you slept in a crib, you wore a bib, now you got a wife and kids. Your brain be changing, you got a pocket full of change, and now you're picking out the colors of your floral arrangement. Your brain be changing, you got a pocket full of change, and now you're picking out the colors for your floral arrangement. Concept of time, now it blows your mind, and then now it blows your mind. Your brain be changing, you got a pocket full of change, and now you're picking out the colors for your floral arrangement. Your brain be changing, you got a pocket full of change, and now you're picking out the colors for your floral arrangement.